The episode of Happy Jack's RPG podcast that you are about to hear was recorded live at a game convention. It is a different format than our typical show. If this is your first show, you might try listening to another episode to get a taste of what the show is normally like. You are listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. The following podcast may contain explicit material. You have been warned. Flying towards a setting sun in a Honda Accord of Gold. The AC stringing against the funk because our socks and drawers are old. On the 105 for an afternoon drive, whizzing by the freeway flora. In the passenger seat is my best friend Pete, a fat man in a fedora. Breaker 19, this is Drekdar the Dark. I was momentarily detained in the hotel entrance, fat beard. The valet was trying to charge me an exorbitant fee. It appears we have ourselves a game con. Yeah, we got ourselves a game con, playing for four days straight. We got ourselves a game con, our hygiene it can wait. We got ourselves a game con, our game's after fun. And we'll be playing all the night. Till the morning sun. Thank you for joining us, everyone. This is Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, Season 16, Episode 10, live from Orcon 2016. Thank you for coming. Hey, if somebody wants to hear this live, how do I tell them to do that? Talk to the mic. Hey, if somebody, <laughs> hey, if somebody wants to hear this live, how do I tell them to do that? Because I'm tweet uh, the link happyjacks.org slash live. Happy Jacks. Wow, that's really tough. Jacks uh, is an X. No, Jacks. <laughs> Dot org. Okay, so <laughs> we're going to talk about the game. Is it slash live? Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Life That's with an F. Well, live? No. With an F? Oh, li- all been live. Liver? Got it. Livey. Okay. Live. So, um, how's the con been so far? Yeah. It's been good? Awesome. Awesome. Okay, you guys introduce the. Go. Introduce the go. My name is Stu. Th- My name is Kimmy. This is Bill. This is Jib. This is Chris. I'm Bruce. I'm Kadeem. Holy hell, I'm Tim. Yeah. And Roby. Before we get rolling, I wanted to invite Eric to come up. Yeah. 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 Chief Cat Herder. Yeah, Chief Cat Herder. Well, thank you for having me again. I always have the uh, wonderful pleasure... Yeah, I always have the wonderful pleasure of saying this is the best, biggest con ever! Yay! And again, it's true. Um, we will cross 2,000 before I sober up tomorrow morning. <laughs> and we will probably hit 2,100 sometime later tomorrow. And we might hit 22 by Sunday. so Or Monday. By Monday. So well ahead of where we were last year. You know, a couple hundred ahead of last year and about a hundred ahead of last con. So things are going great. I want to thank you all who came out here. It's been a blast. Well played. And uh, I got to go up to the room and drink a lot more. So anyway, yeah. got you. Yeah. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, sir. thank you again. And thank you for your hospitality, as, as always. Hey, it's going well. Thank you. Jim. <laughs> RPG. R- the RPGs are. RPG king. Technically, I'm just a supervisor. RPG genius. Okay. So, uh, first of all, I want to address some things that uh, are rapidly changing and in the process of improving and probably not as great as they should be, uh, which is the sign-up sheet situation at the beginning of the, uh, of the con. 
uh, especially now that I've removed full con pre uh, for online pre-registration for Happy Jacks games. So it, it it's it's more difficult than it was before. And uh, the last con, the mob that I had in front of the door kind of scared me, so I decided to make a line. Uh, I actually took s some very great, some very good feedback from some people about this. And uh, there's, I'm going to initiate a time limit, which is something that we need to do. <laughs> and also, what I'm going to do is for people that have day badges, I am going to limit that to maybe the first couple of days of con and then reintroduce set a Sunday and Monday. I'm having a lot of issue with people that want to play in games that just can't get into games because they're either they're, they show up on Saturday because they can't get Friday off or so on and so forth. What I want to do is get more people to enjoy the different games that we have as usual. Uh, one of the things that I've been tracking and have metrics on is that that's a, it's a group of 26 people that play in Happy Jacks games pretty much almost exclusively. <laughs> um, Even with us limiting pre-reg? Uh, I haven't collected the data for this con yet, okay. and this is the first one. So I'm going to see whether it changed anything. If it really didn't change anything, then I might as well go back to the way it was. But if there are some significant changes, and I do get some positive feedback of people trying out. Thanks for letting us run our house games at your hotel. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm trying to do is have more people play in these fantastic games that you guys run. Fantastic. Nice. <laughs> so... Um, and get more people to experience all the variety of games that we have. So I'm trying to make it a little bit more fair for people that might have other limitations. So if you guys have any suggestions or any ways, any ideas of me being able to improve the system, please contact me via the boards. Or you can uh, contact me at plus10toawesome, all written out as one word, at gmail.com. Uh, and just let me know if you have any suggestions. I'm open to whatever feedback you guys have. Uh, speaking of, anybody have anything to say about anything? Having a great time so far. Fantastic. That's what I like to hear. Can you get, can you get a new website? Get a new website. Can you get a new website? Um, that is in the works, and actually it will happen, and I don't care if it's, if it's at the bottom of my gravestone, but it will happen. Um, uh, the, the situation was that we were ready to actually pull a switch on a couple of things, but the guy that was doing all the work for us sort of fell off the radar because he had some personal stuff going on. So the person that we had lined up to do it sort of fell out. We're still looking to replace that person. Uh, I've been taking some feedback, some people, f to make sure that we do this the right way. Uh, I'd rather not just go to a turnkey system run by somebody that doesn't really know what they're doing fully. If I want to go from crap to good, not just yeah. different kind of crap with a different <laughs> color on it. So um, that is definitely in the works. It's, it's going to happen probably a little bit later than sooner, but trust me, it, it'll happen. Uh, other minor improvements that we've been trying to make around the, the con, um, we've been negotiating with the hotel about food prices and that kind of stuff because we understand that that's sort of a pain. We've been having a real problem with them. Yeah. Um, Elevators. <laughs> and, well, the elevators, that's a mechanical problem. What are we going to do about that? But, yeah, they suck. They, there's two, two out of the six elevators are down. Um, again. 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 Which, if you remember the Radisson that had four elevators and only one worked yeah. <laughs> back yeah. in the day, that was awesome, too. Um, but uh, we're trying to get on that. They're really, really on top of us about the outside alcohol in the rooms. Uh, somebody antagonized the person in charge of this. Uh, one of one of our attendees, and basically she just is after proving a point 
Uh, so they've been really, really, they've actually been doing rounds of the RPG rooms, checking, opening people's coolers and stuff. So it's been crazy. Um, so please be warned, you might get hassled if you have outside, uh, outside food and alcohol, and we're trying to keep that down to a minimum. Uh, but uh, uh, sadly, it's in the contract that we can't do that, and there's no way for us to uh, wrangle out of it. Um, I like your guys' little mug idea, but apparently they've caught on to it. So <laughs> keep your hand on it and say, can I look at that? And go, no, it's my personal thing. Screw you. Um, and it's just coffee anyway. And it's just coffee. It says it, damn it. It's just, it says it right on It's just coffee. <laughs> totally. Um, and that's pretty much all I got to report now. And uh, I, on Saturday at 2, I had butts in every single table that I have available to me, and I overflowed into another room. So yeah. Excellent. Fantastic, right? Um, Yeah, yeah. we have a lot of overflow space because things need to overflow because we're growing out of this place, and sadly, we're still here till 2018. Um, uh, well, as Eric just said, we a- we're when I started this con, if we actually beat 1,000 at an Oricon, it was a good con. 1,200 was a really good number. Now we're beating 2,000 just about every single con, uh, and this one will probably tip close to 2,200. Uh, and once you reach a critical mass of about 3,000 attendees regularly, that's when we're really going to have to consider a difference in space. And there have been plenty of people have, uh, we've had committee meet members go and actually look at a proposal from Ontario. Uh, we said no because it's in Ontario. <laughs> and uh, the whole <laughs> 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 the, the, the thing about it is, is that we get to a certain point where it justifies the, the bigger space, move to another space, it's a bad space, and we lose half of those people, right. and then we are bankrupt and we no longer have a con. So uh, it's a very dis- difficult decision to make as to exactly where we need to go that will offer us more square footage. <laughs> the fact that this convention runs 24 hours is also a limiting factor because a lot of places need to close down after a certain point. We were trying to think outside the box and look at like community colleges and stuff that have space that we might be able to use, but that was out of the question because they couldn't stay open 24 hours. Uh, and we have, you know, and uh, is there like a Satanist church for the community center room we could use? Or? <laughs> <laughs> Look into that for us, Bill. You work for the right company. All right, I'll talk with my local Antichrist pastor. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> but I don't want to take up any more of you guys' time. I want to talk about games because this is what it's all about. Thank you, Stu. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank Jim, you, Jim. 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 As far as I'm concerned, you do whatever you need to do because you gave me a brand new D6. So I'm I'm in your camp. <laughs> With so your name on it. on it, I'm so in your camp. Do what you need to do. So, d- in deference to the new, in deference to the new rules, we we will not do the thing we usually do. No, no. But it's totally not in this bag. Okay, all right. And it's totally not moonshine. Oh, ugh. oh, dear which God. was going to be a- no apple pie moonshine. That'd have been good. Oh yeah, it would. Mm. Or it would have been <laughs> if Larpers didn't ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So you have the. What's the list? You got the list. Who's first? Will H. Will, Will H. And Will ran a Traveler game yeah, on Traveler. Friday at 8 p.m. Yeah. And Kadave played in it. Tell us about your... Was it... Which... which, which uh, Mongoose. Mongoose Traveler. Yeah, so last night I ran a game of Mongoose Traveler. It was set in the world of The Expanse based on the series of novels and the television show on sci-fi. Yay. Uh, the players yeah. played uh, members, militant members of the Outer Planets Alliance, which is, if you're not familiar with the setting, basically freedom fighters who are fighting the oppression of the rich Earth and Mars planets and their little colonies out in the asteroid belt. Uh, I made some modifications to the rules so that starship combat 
mirrored the flavor that you see in the the series and the books. Uh, but I'd like to hear from the players how they thought it went. Hi, I'm Kadeev, yeah! and, I, and I played that game. Whenever you say your name, I'm going to go ape shit from now on. <laughs> that's the thing. That's, yeah, it's it's happening. But um, no, I played in the game, and I had a really good time. I am a big fan of Mongoose Traveler to start with. Uh, run several games in it at the cons, and um, I also love the Expanse. Uh, I've read all the books, and uh, I'm about halfway through the first season of the sh- the show and I'm just I, everything about it I dig like um I know the authors are like it's not hard sci-fi but it's still enjoyably hard science fiction with sort of a space opera feel so it's hard enough for you yes yeah <laughs> it's just hard enough just hard enough for it's you. not so hard that it's painful <laughs> But it's hard enough to enjoy and hard really have a good time. Hard, hard enough that it fits just right. <laughs> right, right, yeah. In his expanse. In, his, in, his <laughs> in expanse. the expanse, yes. Um, uh, I, I had a good time. Um, I wish that I could do the, the belter sort of ling- lingo uh, a little better than I did. Right, the, the belter creole. Yeah, they have sort of have, a, have a, like a weird creole thing that they do for the, the asteroid belt er- residents, which is really awesome. Yeah, anything's better better than than me just going (laughs) (laughs) every time I had to talk. Yeah, I'm. Oh yeah. That's that's all I got, man. (laughs) No, we did a playtest game, and that's all I could do. And halfway through, I was like, "It sounds like you're playing with Frankenstein. Like it's not a Wookiee at all. It's some reanimated creature. Like just just making his sex noises. Yeah, but." No. Uh, I was in. I was in the game too. Yeah. This is Kadave. Yeah, I'm just gonna use that name because everybody cheers. Right. Um, and I am familiar with Traveler to a great extent, uh, but I haven't read the Expanse books or seen the series. Um, and it was still enjoyable, which I think is an important thing to note because uh, not having to know the source material but still have a great time uh, is awesome. Um, and uh, it, I thought there was a, a really cool thing that Will did um, in terms of allowing us to have uh, just enough of a percentage of control or connection uh, over our characters. So there are pre-gens, they sat down, but then we all got to do our two connections at the table. And it was basically one person would read their little background, and then the person sitting next to them on their left would say how they tied into that person's background that was pre-written. And then based after we all did that around the table, then everybody just kind of grabbed another person that it seemed to make sense with. So like Dave and I didn't do that the first time, but then we were both belters, and so we grew up together, things like that. But it, it came into play and made it really natural, and it gave you, in a, a very short amount of time, uh, a really good connection with the other players and with the character. Um, and I thought that was really a cool mechanic to introduce in, in a con setting. And you made that connection yourself as the players. So yes, you, yeah, we did that. At, like, we came up with that connection. And then, and I can't remember if there was any mechanical part to this, but then Will asked us each a question about our characters. There was no mechanics to that. That was just to get you start thinking in character uh, and for me to get a feel on like who your character was that, beside from what I... the material, the, the, Sorry, the material that I had come up with. And it was great because he asked Dave's character, he said, so what's that one thing that happened to you in prison you don't talk about? <laughs> <laughs> and it was just hard enough for you, huh, Dave? <laughs> Tell him the story about the soap. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he broke down into a flashback. And it was and it was good because I think that everybody everybody locked in pretty well on on what our characters were about and figuring out what the different <laughs> factions were and how that all came into play and. Um, Will was really good about if we didn't know, just like fielding the question um, quickly, but very much in tone, so we knew what what to where to go forth from there. Uh, and in honor of of Horky, uh, my character threw up on himself. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Um, well played. Excellent. Thank you. So Thank this you. is Cabruce. No, Cabruce. No. Uh, I thought if I said cuss something, it would be. Anyway, I was in that game too. One thing I wanted to. Nobody to, to yeah, I know. Uh, I, I wanted to, to point out that that game had a really good flow to it, and uh, Will had a, a really good habit of, of really working with anything we wanted to do and and going with it and keeping it moving while still trying to incorporate everything, that every which random direction we wanted to go. Awesome. I have a question, actually, for you, Will. Um, I did not play in your game, but um, one thing we get a lot of questions about on the podcast is how on the rails players were. So I was, So one of the things I want to ask GMs tonight is, uh, are there any moments in the game and how often did they happen where the players just went completely sideways and you had to make shit up like on the fly? <laughs> Every second. <laughs> yeah, about half the game. <laughs> uh, so after the first major conflict, uh, they were being interrogated by the... Stu's Siri is basically like vocally ejaculating in his yeah, pocket yeah, yeah. Like, he's like, right now. Will's talking and it's like, oh, hello, I am Siri and I am talking about everything. Stephen Hawking is totally hot. It's like, oh my God, please. Siri. Navigating at, at least Pornhub. didn't start going like, Stu, I think you are sexy. Wow. What? What? Which mic? Right. I didn't do anything. Is it which yeah. So after the first major conflict, the players arrived at the at Siri station, which was... Well, I didn't think the first stop along their, their journey and the people were wondering hey we don't have any kind of flight plans or manifest for you where did you come from what's happening and so they decided to tell them the truth <laughs> which I was not works. expecting uh, and then after that they started releasing information out to the public which is I should have saw that one coming actually because that's very like following beats from the, the novels um, in the end, like the big firefight, which I kind of feel bad for the guy who was playing the the former marine, <laughs> they bypassed by talking. No, that wait, that dude had his moment. Yeah, yeah. that dude had his oh, moment yeah. when he I was. was really glad you guys decided to board the ship. The yeah, ship. there was a pirate ship that we could just blow out of the water. We're like, oh no, we should board it and see if we can salvage. And we're like, well, what should we get? And he's like, I'm going to put on this uh, battle armor thing. And we're like. Oh wow! Rad. Holy shit! That is wow. badass. <laughs> and then the best part is like, uh, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna take this uh, this heavy military rifle, and we're like, you have a two millimeter Gatling chain gun mounted. You don't. That's unless you're using this doorstop. That's not gonna help you. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Yeah, he had a good he had a and good old time with he that. He walked down the hallway and he's like, hey, look, there's a there's an unarmored bad guy. Was yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, hey, look, somebody made hamburgers. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And thank you for running games, Will H. Yeah, Will H. Hey. Thank you. It was a wonderful oh, game. Uh, next up is Jib. Jib Ran has two games he's talking about. The first is the first is actually your own uh, Powered by the Apocalypse act, yeah. correct? Uh, and, then, a, and then the other one is Age, uh, Star Wars Age of Rebellion. Right. Okay, go. So the first game was Friday afternoon at 2. Uh, it was the first playtest of a game called Bad Streets, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse hack based on uh, 
squad cop shows of the 70s and 80s. Um, where all of the, the characters played detectives. And um, we, we had a, a rollicking good time. We spent the first hour and a half um, fixing the game. Um, which... You know, if for the for the first play test, I thought that was brilliant. It was like, great, you guys are going to fix everything I did wrong. So, um, it was a really good, good game. Uh, I thought it went really well. I was ple very pleased with the feedback that I got from the players because uh, it's going to really improve the game. So those of you who are going to play tomorrow get the benefit of, of that play test because there are things that are going to be different. What uh, time? It is at 9. It's at 9 a.m. Uh, but there will be more of these. I'm going to be running this quite a lot coming up because um, I, I set myself this task to write a hack of Apocalypse World just for the exercise of doing it. Um, and I've been really pleased with the results so far. Um, I think it, it really captures the atmosphere of the, the gritty street-level crime drama that I was after. Um, and we had, we had four players. We had the rookie, the veteran, the rebel, and the straight arrow. Uh, so, and they, they are pretty much exactly what they sound like. Um, and the, uh, the rebel and the straight arrow were partners, which made life really interesting nice. <laughs> because, um, the, the rebel wanted to do things in her own particular way and screw, you know, procedure and whatnot. And the straight arrow was like, no, just no, <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> um, and, um, ended up the, uh, the straight arrow, uh, almost got run down by a car, um, because, you know, you fail a roll, things happen. Um, but it was, it was fun. I, I hope that, that everybody in the room will get a chance to play it because I look forward to hearing everyone's feedback in the coming months. Awesome. That's super brave of you. That's awesome. Thank you. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then today at 9, I ran uh, a Star Wars Age of Rebellion game um, set somewhat before uh, Episode 4. Um, and the characters were a cell of the Rebel Alliance who were tasked by their handlers to infiltrate a, uh, a hidden research base and retrieve a data crystal. Which, when they found it, they found out it was actually a Sith holocron. And I'll let them take it from there. <laughs> Ready, go. Okay, so this is Chris, and I was in that game. A lot of fun, by the way. Um, I have played in Edge of the Empire, <laughs> but not Age of Rebellion before. Um, like Jib said, the dice mechanics are, you know, something you have to learn. It's not like, I can count that. No, it's like, okay, Splody, Antler, what happens? Chicken entrails. <laughs> Chicken entrails is exactly how you described it. Festival Award. <laughs> and, uh, and I don't know what that thing is. <laughs> 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 this is how I roll the dice. <laughs> Wait for reaction. Oh, yeah, I did a thing. <laughs> I am good. <laughs> but I have a question for you. I yes, mean, sir. we only had four players, one of whom left early as opposed to six. Do you think that affected your plans for the game at all? Um, okay. A anyone who's actually played in my games, and this is the first time you'd played in, yes, in one of my games. Yes, this is my first GP. Um, knows him, that him. what I do is I, is I try to... to Think about all of the things going on around the characters, but I have no fucking clue what's going to happen. <laughs> um, I know what pe what the bad guys are up to, and the player characters jump in, and from that moment on, it's wherever we go. 
Um, so, no, I can't really say that, that him le- having to leave impacted the game adversely because um, we had already gone wildly differently than anything I had thought might happen, <laughs> oh. which was fine because that's the fun for me is seeing where the story goes because when I'm prepping a game, I'm not writing a story. Uh, the story is what happens as the game plays. So. Stormtroopers are dicks. <laughs> the end. No, uh, you, you sound surprised <laughs> by that. They shot me in the back for getting punched in the face. <laughs> <laughs> no, they shot you in the back for fleeing when they told oh, you to well, stop. Th- there's that little matter. <laughs> uh, I, I really enjoyed that game. Um, it, it, had a, it also had a good flow, but um, the, the brutality of it was something that I kind of enjoyed, actually. It was, it was very sudden. Everything, er, like combat in, in that system can be quite painful quite quickly. Getting shot with a heavy blaster rifle will fuck up your entire day. Yeah. It absolutely will. <laughs> As will getting cut in half with a fiber sword. That is a universal truth across multiple game systems. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, that, that scene also had the moment I was waiting for. As we were getting basically pinned down or shot down by five stormtroopers, at some point, people get on the ship, a couple of people are on the ship, and the ship's guns go and turn on them. And it's like, okay, goodbye stormtroopers. And that was, that was very fun. Even so though I was, you know, bleeding out at that point. <laughs> it was very but, fun but to but see that gonna, moment. But you weren't going like, to die yes, because your, 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 your um, assassin droid was still up and kicking. Yeah, and all, the, all, yeah. all you needed was for Chris to take out the stormtroopers for you, and then he would get you to safety. But that was such a fun moment where they're just like, suddenly, red mist. <laughs> um, so I have a question for Chris. Yeah. When was the moment when you figured out what you were, what you were actually stealing? <laughs> You're gonna make me sound dumb, but no, no I didn't figure it out. Bruce is like, oh, I knew the whole time, and I, <laughs> I was just enjoying the story. I didn't try to project ahead of time. I didn't try to problem solve. I'm just like, okay, this is what we're dealing with now. Okay, this is what we're dealing with now. It wasn't until we had that moment with that one specific character that I'm like, oh, that's the thing. Yep, <laughs> uh, because they were the Bothan spies, oh. um, and. Um, in, in a fit of one thing that I was like, I really wish this would go this particular way in the story. It went exactly the way I wanted it to happen. Um, when they got the plans for the Death Star and got back on their ship and escaped, they're immediately being chased by um, you know, a Star Destroyer, TIE Fighters and whatnot. They jump into hyperspace. They go. Where do they go? Well, the nearest planet, which happens to be the Bothan homeworld. They pop out into the Bothan homeworld. Ten seconds later, this, the Empire's right behind them. They pop out again. And before the Empire decides to chase them, they decide to bomb the fuck out of the, the Bothan homeworld. So many Bothans died. Many Bothans yes. died. died. Yep. It's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jib, uh, what was one place in either one of your games today where it went completely sideways based on the player's actions? Um, five minutes into the game today. Nice. <laughs> yeah. And what did you? What happened? And what did you do? Um, they decided to go someplace that I ne- that I literally created on the fly nice. because I didn't know they were going to go there, <laughs> and they did. And I was like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll make that up, and we'll make some stuff happen there." Nice, excellent. No, not quite that bad. You still hold the award for that one for the oh fuck! I should have thought of that. <laughs> It always seems so obvious after the players mention it. I know. Well, <laughs> it totally <laughs> does. It totally does. 
Um, I, I've, I've told the story before, so I apologize to anybody who's heard it. Uh, Kurt Hanna played in a play test of a game I ran a bunch of years ago that was a murder mystery, and he was playing a doctor. They walk out of a meeting with the police department, and the next words out of his mouth are, I want to go talk to the coroner. And I went, what? <laughs> <laughs> and in, in, in hindsight, I was like, well, yeah, you do. <laughs> but, um, and, and, but that was just how, how the games work. Yep. Uh, thank you, Jim. Thank, thank you, you very much for playing. I had a wonderful time. As did we. No, actually, I just wanted to talk about playtesting games at con and how it's very important for you to not be scared and try different things. And if you see so, a game of something that you've never seen before, that should be more of a thing that you want to go towards than shy away from. Uh, one of the great things about this convention is that it's full of very experienced role players and GMs. And a lot of people that are just trying to get something that they love off the ground would really appreciate your feedback and, and your participation in their game. So it's, I just wanted to shout out for all those people that play test games here. They are wonderful and I love them. Please keep on doing it and please support them. Absolutely. And thank you, Jib, for running games. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You got something to say? Oh. How's that food product? It's good. Yep. And thank you, Jib, for running games. Yay, Jib. Uh, next, I got Tim ran um, Turtles and Trolls. Tun <laughs> tunnels and Trolls. Tunnels. I like Turtles. There were no Turtles. On Saturday what, at 9 what, what? Are we not turtly enough for your game? You, you are not turtle enough for the turtle game. <laughs> That's more sloppy. <laughs> yeah, so, so that's just awesome radio of, of Dave pantomiming a turtle. So you could have kept talking. If, you, if you've never seen the video of the turtle penis, I recommend hitting that one up. It's amazing. <laughs> Getting it up. Just, just, like just don't think of me when you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, the game that I ran, um, Tunnels and Trolls, is the second ever role-playing game published ever. It was published a year after Dungeons & Dragons, and it was published a year before RuneQuest. Uh, last year, maybe the year before, Flying Buffalo, the company that produces it, uh, ran a fairly successful Kickstarter to do a brand new deluxe edition, which is all cleaned up and it's thick. The book's like an inch and a half thick. It's a, it's a really good game. It's so thick. It's so thick and hard. And so I ran this game, and the game was called The Company of Several Dwarfs, and it took place in the land of fairy tale. And uh, th the idea behind it was that all of the players were dwarves, and all of the fairy tales that you hear have to come from some sort of real events. Well, this was the real events that kind of led to the, the Snow White and the Sleeping Beauty um, fairy tales. So they had to go and reunite a, a, a daughter who was under a spell from an evil sorcerer with her father. And that's all I'll say about that for now. There were people in here who played it, so... Kurt, come on up, and Dave played in it too. And Kurt and Dave, or and I see Kurt, up. and I see Dave. And what is this romper room? That totally is. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so, yeah, the, the, this was seriously an awesome game. It's the first game I played in that you ran. Yes. Um, so it was a completely new GM experience for me. So it was, you're, you're damn good. Thank you. Um, so four dwarves um, who are usually met four of a party of seven. The other three were sick. They called in sick. Right, yeah. One, one, was, one got a little too ill the night before and now was sleeping it off. One was had the plague and one got into a row and now was uh, an, in accommodations provided by the state. That's right. So, um, Porky, Snoozy, and Fighty. Right, exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, I hope... So... <laughs> We we kind of threw Tim uh, a curveball right off the bat. Yeah, pretty much. Um, by going up to the very first encounter, we had to assemble pieces of this key, and we had to find the pieces. We had no idea how many pieces there were. Uh, I've no, there were not seven. There were as many as we had time to get. There were as many. <laughs> there, were, there were exactly as many pieces in the key as we had time to fit encounters with their guardians into the game before the big final talk encounter. about modularity yeah. It, yeah. it turned out that there were four pieces of the princess yeah. key which they had to find and convince the guardians somehow to give them so that they could assemble this princess key and put it in the princess's slot the princess? no no i mean in a glass in the slot in I mean, a glass in casket. the slot in the glass coffin which would awaken the princess and Boy, return God. and return her to her father right um, that's a that's a that's a glass titty belt. It, t- it totally <laughs> was a glass titty belt. belt. Thank, thank yeah. you. Yes, thank you, Bill. <laughs> so um, long before we ever got to the point where somebody asked, "Can't we just smash the glass coffin?" and I made some comment about, "No, it's unbreakable." But he actually sang a fairy tale point, song. Yeah, uh, we we come across this this old woman who's setting up a yard sale. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and f- for those who know fair, this woman had Tinker's Pack times 20. Yeah. And she was a- about, like, you know, maybe gnomish in appearance. Very old gnomish. <laughs> no, smaller than Tinker. <laughs> um, but, uh, but she had this huge array, and she absolutely would not give us her key, her key fragment. And I suggested, well... What if you come with us and join our adventuring party, and then you don't actually have to give up the key fragment? And Tim just looked at me like, <laughs> the, "What?" The thing was these these were these these were all magically placed guardians of these of these key fragments, and they didn't know anything about uh, the key fragments or anything like that, other than they could not give them away. So the challenge to the PCs was find a way to get each of these key fragments from each of these guardians. And he was just like, well, okay, don't give it to us. Just come along with us. I, I, I'm reminded, I was just thinking back to Labyrinth. No one may cross this bridge without my permission. Exactly. So he said, well, may I have your permission? Can I have your permission? And I went, uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Tim just sort of went through a little bit of mental math like okay how long is this game now going to take because crap that sped through that and okay how many more um but yeah so they did they just went oh yes of course i'll go along with you what's that that made us five right that made us five and then we met up with the big bad wolf and we we 
turned him into Red Mist. He was antagonistic. Uh, yes, he was very antagonistic. That's right. He he was really big about disemboweling us. He was the big bad wolf. He was the big bad wolf. He was very big, big on the disembowelment. I smell dwarf. So um, Dave promised him that the f- next person that we disemboweled, he would get the first. Bowel. Right, exactly. So what did we do, Dave? We attacked the poor wolf in a Wolfman. spectacular manner. Um... <laughs> Through combining several skills that I don't think were necessarily meant to go together, <laughs> um, we ended up with one of the characters rolling like seventeen dice, no, twenty-four, twenty-four, 24 dice to attack this poor wolfman. Tunnels and Trolls is a D six based system, and it's based off of you roll the weapon damage plus your own personal adds, and it's all D sixes. So the the characters were they were as I built them, I think the top character was throwing like six dice but they managed to put it together in such a way so that he wound up throwing 17 dice and I had to think about that like two or three times as, as they're telling me this I was going wait a minute that can't work that can't be right One plus two plus second two level plus players yeah But yeah. the bottom line is, it turned out totally awesome. Yes. And they, they one-shotted the big bad wolf. The big bad wolf. I mean, come on. It's the big bad wolf. And they one-shotted him. Second level characters, I think one guy did 110 damage. Yep. yep. Um, so we So then, of course, Dave cuts open the bowel of the wolf and... And, and gives it to him. Here you go. You've got 15, 20 seconds before your brain stops functioning. <laughs> Enjoy. He kept his promise. That, that's an important thing in a fairy tale because I've played Grimm. Keeping your promise is an important thing. Very important. <laughs> so then we get to a uh, very stalwart, very noble knight in a, in a, in a jousting list who was jousting a dummy. The most noble knight ever. The most noble knight ever who was jousting a, a, a dummy. And I mean like a training dummy, not, you know, a moron. Uh, and... <laughs> oh, so um, we, 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 again, convinced him to join our adventuring party rather than try to fight him, which, of course, went entirely against what Tim thought we were going to do. We thought it was going to be honorable single combat. And we're like, no, you just come along with and bring your squire, too. Your squire, Matthew. He had come up with a name for the squire. He had not come up with a name for the knight. <laughs> so the knight was Sir Wallace. Sir Wallace. And I just, I, I, I fought it the entire game from that point on not to call him Sir Wallace. Oh, I hadn't even made that connection. <laughs> really? No, I hadn't. I, I thought- was thinking William Wallace of Braveheart. Okay, sure. Why not? I, I hadn't yeah. even... <laughs> you just huh. can't do a game without lisping, can you? I did not lisp. He did not lisp. Nope. He did not lisp. Sir William was... Or Sir Wallace was honorable. Yes. And 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 in the kind of guy... Almost. We, uh, Chattanooga-esque. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> He had very shiny armor, like he never used it. Um, and and but now adding Sir Wallace and Matthew, we were now seven. Mm-hmm. We were back up to our fighting strength. So then I'll let Dave continue, or well, or uh, Anna. We uh, our, the final guardian that we encountered was a giant who was not very bright, and I decided to fool him by saying, because we're all dwarves, so he couldn't see us as early as we could see him as he towered over the rocks. And uh, I yelled out, I am an invisible giant come to destroy you. Surrender now. 
He didn't quite buy that, but I was like, look behind you! And then he turned around and oh. let us all attack him. Because <laughs> um, he wasn't that bright. Uh, but So we assaulted this poor giant horribly from behind. And uh, in the Greek fashion. And <laughs> the... Uh, Yes, yeah, yeah. He had no legs left All when we were done. All I, all I could see now is like Greco dwarf wrestling. <laughs> it's so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like horrible spiders. Yeah. You lick the beard and stick it to them. <laughs> but so <laughs> that went horribly wrong. That so, didn't actually happen in the game. No, it didn't. It didn't. But. Uh, so we um, we destroyed this poor poor giant uh, as he bled out in his own home, <laughs> um, and then Sir William um, Sir Wallace Sir Wallace uh, was appalled that we had destroyed some poor giant from behind in a surprise attack, uh, as he was the knight of honor. Um, so my solution to that was, oh, you're just not familiar with dwarven culture, and I wrote down a completely artificial law of dwarven culture that dwarves are allowed to attack from any angle without can, dishonor. Can I read this? This is what he hands me. He says, no, 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 it's totally fine. This is a knight of honor. I am a valiant knight of honor. So he hands me this piece of paper right here, and it says on it, dwarves can attack from any angle. What's that word? Honorably. Honorably. Dwarf law number 612. <laughs> so I said... Legit. Well, I guess you were completely lawful in doing such. <laughs> Good job! So I managed to turn the dwarven culture into the Ferengi. <laughs> by accident, but there it is. And then you proceeded to float a boat down... Yes. <laughs> but then we arrived at the tower to save the princess from her glass enclosure, only to discover that it turns out that our patron that had hired us was an evil underling of or somehow cohort of this evil witch that had been imprisoned instead of a princess. So we let her loose and proceeded to murder her as well. She was... It turns out that the truth of the Snow White or Sleeping Beauty legend is that she really isn't a beautiful princess, but she's a horrible Cthuloid monstrosity which was imprisoned on purpose... And the person who hired them was her worshiper, who couldn't, of course, let her out himself because of the protections against it, so he had to hire the dwarves to do it. Hi-ho. Hi-ho. But it was a, it was a great game. Uh, we all had a great time playing. It was just a barrel of monkeys. And the... 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 Uh, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of the game system um, because it's all based on taking a number and subtracting your stat and then rolling against it, which seems like many extra steps to be like, here's a target number, roll it. Um, but it was still fun. I had a good time. And thank you, Tim. You're welcome. Huzzah! Excellent. And thank you, Tim, for running games. Yay. You're welcome. All right. Uh, now it's story time. Because this this is not a game that was run by Happy Jacks. This is Bill, and he's going to tell us about his first first Pathfinder experience. That's right. Oh no! First Pathfinder. Pathfinder society. society. The society, my good man. 
Uh, so we just when you thought you were out, they pulled you back in. That's right. So uh, we have people that write in a lot about RPGA and PFS, and uh, we've only have like I think Jib maybe our only person who's ever played. Um, so I thought I would take one for the team in the Greek fashion and <laughs> play Pathfinder Society. You know you like that one. <laughs> and. Uh, and uh, it, it was a it was a very intriguing experience. Uh, they kind of have a big roster in the morning where everybody gets together. Um, they do an announcement: "Hey, welcome everybody!" Then every single person in the room rolls a d twenty, and they say, "All right, tell us if you got a one or a 20. And then if you run a one or a twenty, they gave you prizes. They gave you stuff like books and t shirts and all kinds of things, which is pretty cool. Uh, so you're like, "All oh, hey, I'm in the mood now to roll for stuff." Which, by the way, is a key tenant of Pathfinder Society. <laughs> um, so I made a first-level character, uh, Swashbuckler Montgomery Ransom. Uh, I really took it to heart that uh, your ability points that you spend are panache. So uh, I try to do everything as stylishly as possible. Uh, and uh, got in the game with uh, a bunch of people who play a ton, obviously. Um, the guy who was sitting, uh, I sat next to the GM, and, and there's a guy on the left and a guy across from me that I'm going to talk the most about. Um, I was instructed to tell them that this was my first Pathfinder Society game, which I did with the Society. Uh, and it was funny because the guy said, did they just tell you to say that? I'm like, no, it, no, it's actually my first Pathfinder Society game. He's like, oh, okay. Like I was in there to trick him or some shit, right? Um, <laughs> And so they were actually very welcoming and, and really like, hey, that's great. You know, welcome to this. Welcome to society. And then that's right. And I, then I got uh, blacked out and a tattoo and some weird shit. Uh, and, um, and I was uncomfortable and I don't want to go camping again. Um, in, in, the Greek, in the Greek fashion. Um, and so they were there and, and uh, we started out and it was basically um, evident very quickly that the GM, or at least my GM, while trying to do his best, probably hadn't necessarily read the scenario, the module ahead of time, or certainly didn't practice pronouncing anyone's names. Because um, he'd be like, oh, uh, Gel, I don't know, this guy. <laughs> and you're like, what? And, and by the way, the first half of the game is a, is a mystery you're trying to solve. And they throw about 27 convoluted names and connections at your ass. And it's like, wow, I've been playing role game, role playing games for a long time. And I'm usually pretty good at that. And like, I'm taking notes and I'm writing all kinds of stuff. And, and every 15 minutes, we're like, okay, wait, wait, wait. So what was the thing? And he'd go back and kind of haltingly read through the box text again, which, by the way, he would let you know was the box text. It's like, okay, oh, wait, I'm reading box text. I was like, wow, that must be fucking important because you're <laughs> pointing it out um, and so then he would read through it and then we would act on what he read and then not uncommonly things would go sideways and we're like wait wait that why are why is the mob angry why isn't the mob happy with what we said and then one of the players like could you read the box text again and he'd go back and he'd read the box text through again and it was something was slightly different the next time he read it and it was just enough different to be like, oh, right, yeah, they'd be really pissed. The word not is a really important yeah, word. Yeah, word not is an important word. Exactly, <laughs> Kurt. Right? So we're like, oh, okay. So we would figure that stuff out. We're kind of going through. Now, 
there was role role playing that happened. Uh, the there was a guy who sat across from me playing a, a half orc war priest who was hilarious. Um, and at one point, someone was trying to frame us as being traitors, as best as I could tell, because this was another super convoluted part of this module. Um, and all these coins from some different kingdom. They made it look like it fell out of his coin purse. And they're like, oh, he's been paid off by the traitors, blah, blah, blah. And they accused him. And he was getting angrier, and he's really upset, and he's furious because he's being falsely accused. And, we, and, and we're trying to figure out, like, well, how do we talk our way out of this? And so, of course, from all of my training and playing, I'm like, oh, I'm going to come up with this, this story and the whole thing. And I was like, all right, make a diplomacy roll. And I'm like, well, I'll... Okay, but like I, I want to try to shift the blame over there, so I want to use bluff. And then he's like, "Oh, no, the module says it's a diplomacy role." Oh. oh, oh, okay. So this is where the slavery to the mechanics began. So we go, and of course, none of us make it. Um, but we end up leaving. We we get back to where we're staying, and there is a halfling, a, a old lady halfling who runs this Pathfinder Guild where we're staying at. Um, which has a mark on the door that says it's the Pathfinder Guild, but we're not supposed to let anybody know that we're with the Pathfinder Guild while we're there, but it's where we're staying. There was a lot of that. There was a lot of that going on. Yeah, it's advertised. It's like, you know, Pathfinder Guild, and everybody hates you there. They're like, don't tell anybody that you're in the Pathfinder Guild, but this is where you're staying and your contacts are. Okay. All right. Um, So we get back there. No attention to the man behind the curtain. That's right. the, 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 The size of the hand the GM had to wave was amazing on a lot of stuff. Um... So we get in there, and this is this is very indicative of of the times where people tried to role play R O L E play against the mechanics. Because we back in, and there was like a little like, okay, there's box text, blah 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 blah, and it says, is, is anyone injured? Can I heal anyone? And I'm like, oh, okay, this is the character that you go to for healing between days and rounds and resetting your spells. And the and the half work says, I need emotional healing. <laughs> <laughs> I was accused of being traitor. Korok, very sad. <laughs> right? I was like, wow. That was amazing. He was amazing, right? So, like, those were the those were the little, like, pinpricks of light bursting up that were like, wait, maybe this is going to get good. And then we get back to the mechanics. And, and it's interesting because uh, as we were talking about this at dinner, if you think about uh, 4E... I think the big dig against that was it felt like an MMO from a mechanic standpoint, right? So it was like you have characters, they have very specific roles, they go here, they move things, little thing. Going into this Pathfinder Society game, and and I will give them their props, they were welcoming, they were super nice. No one ever told me what to do. They would let me do something first, and then they might say, well, you know, you can do whatever you want, but let me show you the optimal path to achieving what you should be doing. But if you don't want to do that, that's fine. And so I would say, great, thanks. I'm going to attack the badger then, as, as opposed to the elf monk who I can't hit. But I might be able to hit her pet badger, and maybe that'll do something. Um, until the badger took me in the Greek fashion, and then I was <laughs> unconscious. Um, so the thing I thought was interesting is, is it was very MMO-like, but but in a different way. It was more like when you go into an MMO and you, you're like, hey, I want to try this. I want to try World of Warcraft because I heard it's really good and all my friends have played it. But people have been playing it for six, seven, eight, ten years and they go in and all of a sudden he's like, all right, well, you got to put more dots on uh, and then when you go with this uh, this Hunter Nightmare build and blah, blah, and you're like, 
I don't know what any of that shit means, right? That was going into a Pathfinder Society game because they all have specific lingo they're talking about. They're talking about what builds they have for their characters. They're talking about like, oh, well, then I do this and I get that. And like they had every name of every magic item and they're throwing them off. And how I get this thing, I'm like, wow, this is intense. I don't know. Like I don't know anywhere near enough about this system to sit down and play this game with these people. Um, It's how I felt. Uh, And then the final thing I'll talk about was I think what shows what – why I don't know if I would play a Pathfinder Society game again because because I think society because the <laughs> the big thing um, and and I think this is very different. I feel very uh, very very fortunate to have a lot of awesome people I get to game with all the time. I know that is not always the case, um, and that's why things like RPGA and PFS are awesome because you might not have a great home game you can play with, and so you can go anywhere and play and have a character you take with you. Um, that presents an interesting challenge is that these people have persistent characters they take with them so they care about them but the the thing that they really tended to care the most about was that they were on the loot treadmill and it was like oh i got to get to the thing and get to the thing and get to the encounter we have the opportunity to fight the boss they get the drop and they get to pick the loot up and it wasn't like we and we would we killed some character and they and they had all this stuff and these magic items and as opposed to like oh what is that oh my gosh it's a book hmm, like you would normally be they're like all the, the the GM is like okay plus two staff of thing he's reading it as fast as possible in the book they're writing like machines like okay great we'll pick this up later okay go and I'm like I have it, but wait wait did you say like I have like two smudge sticks and a glow rod and they're like oh yeah that's mundane shit don't worry about it just get the magic items. okay okay go to the next room. I was like, wow. wow. Oh, I'm, I'm, I can't even afford, like, a cigarette. I'd like to pick up that pack of them. That's, it would be good, right? Um, and, it, and, and I guess there's the rule that if you don't get your, your encounters or your mission or whatever, or your module done in the four-hour block, you take a prestige hit, which then makes it harder for you to get treasure and get experience and whatever. And so, but... They had said, if you can start the final encounter before the four-hour mark, then we'll let you finish the encounter out. So it became a ulcer-inducing mad race to rip through as all the encounters that were in the way to make sure we started that last boss, which we did at 12.58. So we got done at 1.40, and everybody's giving us dirty fucking look from their games like oh you guys are still playing you know you're 40 minutes over the time limit you should be taking prestige hits and not being able to get all your loot and your experience and and they're like and the gm's like no no we started the encounter before the four hour mark and they're like he's defending the fact that we're playing the game um and i thought it was very i thought it was really telling that at the end one of the players like, we finished and he's like yeah we won that and i was like wow that was weird like we were competing against the game Right, so it had had that that kind of odd feeling to it. So I don't know if for me, like that, I would go back and say like I really enjoyed that. There were moments of it that I I had fun and it wasn't a waste of my time by any means. But at the same time, I I could tell I'm not driven by the things that those people were driven by. Like they were there, like I want to go through and I want to kill shit and I want like there's this one guy playing a gnome alchemist and I and it was actually got really funny because after a while he's like oh so we, can we blow stuff up now <laughs> and we're like well you know we're in the middle of a school and we were going to talk to these kids about but I want to blow them up yeah exactly that that's great okay but can we so can we get past and one of my even said one of my, can we get past the talking part because we haven't had a combat yet right so it was like very much like I want to go fight shit right 
And I'm thinking, like, I'm a first-level guy who has talkie skills, so uh, no, I'd like to milk this as much as possible in the Greek fashion. Um, but so it was, it was an actually really interesting experience, but it did feel very much like um, you're, on, you're on a different kind of very similar to MMO-type treadmill but it's all about like what's the next thing what's the next tier what's the next loot you get did you go through this thing as opposed to at the end um we all we had to find those moments to go like oh yeah remember that interaction our characters had that was pretty cool huh but that was you know five percent of the of the game as opposed to the rest and they were like yeah that's okay that was they're like yeah that was okay the, t- the talking part. The talking part. Yeah, they were okay with the talking part. But we had, but, every, but everybody was super nice. Like, I didn't have anybody at the table that was like, oh, you're some... And it was weird to think like, whoa, I'm the hippie gamer at the table. <laughs> ah, I'm the dirty hippie. That's weird. But they were, all, they were all super cool. I never... I got the feeling that they would like, you know, like, here's your sheet. Okay, make sure you go online and do this whole thing and hope we see you again. And I was like, mm, that's pretty cool. That is. Uh, well, uh, excellent. Now, you also ran a game. What was the I game I did you ran? run a game. I won't talk as much about that. So I ran Grimm, uh, Frights of the Round Table. It's actually um, in the fine tradition that some of us have of running uh, uh, franchises. The fifth Grimm game I've run, um, inspired by Mary, who ran the fir- very, very first one. And I was like, I've always wanted to run that system. It's great. And now I'm a junkie. Um, <laughs> and I have to run it. Because, uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, first one was free, and then that was it. And like, <laughs> Uh, so the basic premise is um, at the end of the last one I ran at the con, uh, the kids returned Alice through the looking glass back to her family in Victorian England. Um, they all then stepped to the looking glass to go home, except for Arthur, who, does, who the player um, decided, he's like, no, it's really cool here, and everything I draw like comes alive, and I think I'm going to stay for a little while. So two days go by uh, back the most dramatically appropriate period of time. Exactly. Um, And Arthur, no one knows where he is. He's missing. And so the parents, the PTA is all freaking out um, at Elderbrook Elementary. And so uh, the kids are being kind of like watched like hawks. And they don't know where he's gone. Well, they know he stayed behind, but they don't know what's happened. Um, And so the game started in uh, the cafeteria. And uh, through through much begging and um, and prostrating uh, in the Greek fashion to gym, I got the boardroom. Um, so I wanted to take advantage of that setting. So uh, we began the game in the school cafeteria at lunch, uh, and I had uh, lunchables boxes for everybody, and I had a uh, little drink top of the line lunchables. Yeah, I ca- I came ho- <coughs> excuse me I came home and and uh, Elspeth said she's like, oh my god, you're like yuppie boxes what is these (laughs) yeah it's like gluten-free like free-range organic turkey chips and like whatever right and and she's like oh holy crap like those can't technically be lunchables they can't be brand name lunchables no no they weren't they were i was i was super glendale (laughs) i was super glendale uh and then uh and then this like and not even like shitty juice boxes caffeine-free like kids tea like, like anyway, but so they're they're sitting there and they come in and they're all introducing themselves and we run through the game mechanics, um, and I'm just like yeah, so just talk and you know they're doing that and uh, and then at one point 
there's a always in the game I do something physical. So that's been everything from having, and I apologize to people that had to go through this one. Um, people had to actually build a 3D model of a house, like a puzzle, 3D puzzle model, which sadly took, I think, 30% of our game time. Um, that was really, that was too big. Um, and everything from uh, using a gin- actual physical gingerbread house for, as a battle arena to um, uh, uh, coloring in, uh, making Valentine's Day cards and coloring in, um, like, coloring book pages um, for Alice in Wonderland. Uh, so this time, there was going to be a physical thing they had to do to get back and try to find Arthur and see what was happening. But I'd rather have the people who played talk about that. Can I make a suggestion for the next time you run it, the physical thing? Yes. An easy-bake oven. Oh. Have make a little cake. Make little uh, cakes? Uh. <laughs> In the Greek family. Uh, I would, but unfortunately, the Hilton Hotel has an issue with outside food being brought in, and making your own food on premises is but a it, cause for fine. If you make it in an Easy Bake Oven in the hotel, yeah. maybe. Is that, is that, I don't know. Uh, tell, uh, tell them who you are and what it is you make for famous. You've been talking a lot. You should have some water and pass the rest Oh, some water. Thanks. Some water, yes. Yeah, uh, I, I played, and actually, Holy I was water. drinking away. Uh, pulled out the, 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 the juice box. And being the oblivious individual that I normally am, did not notice at all that there was a picture on the box. I'm holding it up and drinking it, everybody, and everybody else is like looking at me like, oh, yeah, we need to put these together. And I'm like, huh? So, yeah, they started putting the, the boxes together, and it was a, you know, I am, you know, missing, you know. Have you seen yeah, me it's a hand you've on seen the juice me box? Image when you put all six juice boxes together. And it was basically you guys were talking for probably a good about eight or nine minutes. And I'm starting to think, maybe no one's going to notice that. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Right. So then, yeah, so Lily was playing Sam Samuel, who's the jock, and, and noticed it. And you had to go, we should talk about it, but you had to go through the, the whole, like, do I do, I do anything about it? I talk about it for her, but. Well, somebody talk about it. Your husband talked yeah, about well, it for. She, she said she didn't want to. Anyway, yes, yes. Someone suggested that, that we do something as a group and start with start with drawing drawing a picture together about about Arthur and and the school and stuff. And I open up my my booklet and I'm actually drawing the picture. So you'll find a note or a, a, a stick figure drawing of of the bully um, in the back and. Next thing I know, my wife, who's playing one of the other jocks, is asking for my juice box, which has been in front of me this whole time. I was like, hello. Sure, you you can have my juice box, baby. And then she's asking for other people's juice boxes. And I had no idea what the hell she was doing. I didn't realize that the labels of the juice box was actually a different picture that Bill had printed off and cut up into the juice boxes to make a rudimentary puzzle. It was but just a juice... Know, I didn't marry him for his brain. No, she did not. She did not you, marry you married him for brain. his juice box, baby. That's she right. For my juice box. So I had no idea until after the game was over and we were talking about it even. I was thinking, he found these juice boxes that had a picture of a kid and he worked into his game? <laughs> Well played. Sir. I think I was. Dr- I think I was drunk at the time. It's amazing how cutting something exactly to the right size and taping it and on tape, makes it. Ta- yeah, yeah, good tape. Good yeah. tape. He's smart like soda machine. Yes. Wow. Smart like soda machine. For those that did not catch it. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah, we put the figures together and then we. Uh, 
proceeded into the Grimlands, and everybody, you know, we as always, we had a great time doing uh, Grim. The tournament, yes, we went sideways with the tournament. Um, we started basically. Uh, we said, "Oh, we we need to to you know basically get Arthur out of the kingdom and back because he's got all these responsibilities as the king." So we were like, "Okay, well, we need to find a new king. Let's have a tournament." And so we you know proceeded to you know do our thing and then came back and proceeded to do the tournament, which was <clears throat> um, the first one was. Uh, Tetherball. Te- uh, tetherball. Tetherball to, no to eliminate. Tetherball. No one likes Tetherball. No we, one judged it. No one judged it. So there was so – the, the, so basically – we've jumped to the end, but it's good. So basically there was there, – uh, uh, to, be, to become king. So the tournament ended up being to become king. Whoever won the tournament would become king. And so there was like 1,050 people – like people that showed up um, uh, because yeah, Fez was well, well, a thousand of them were all from the same place, but there was like a thousand seventy that showed up. And after the tetherball round, 75 people were left because tetherball was brutal. <laughs> yeah, we did tetherball. We did uh, uh, full contact uh, hopscotch. Uh, then we did uh, the monkey bars. And then we did the uh, spin, uh, spin, sports spin, where you put your head against whatever you know, a baseball sword, bat on their sword, sword, and spin, spin around. around, and then go find something. Right. So, and and by the way, the the tournament to answer Kimmy's question was completely not planned, because I got to a point where like they're going to find Arthur, they're going to see that he's the king, he's super depressed because he's having to adult. And that's really hard for an eight-year-old, and and then they're gonna have to figure out like, and and they're under threat of war because the Mad King, which is Humpty Dumpty, because he's the cracked king and he's the rotten king, right, is decided he's going to attack, and they don't know why, and so it's like, so obviously they've got this problem to take care of, and I've got five or six contingency uh, like or ideas like if they do this, if they do that, if they do this, and they're just like little paragraphs, and I'm oh, I'm set. They'll choose anything. They might call. We have to find a king. We should have a tournament. I'm like, I'll just throw these notes on the floor. All right. Welcome to my world. Yep. Um, and it was awesome because when we, because that ended up being like right near the very end of the game um, after they went and figured out what they were going to do about everything. And we had the tournament. And I said, okay, great. What you guys set the tournament up? What are the categories in the tournament? So they came up with all the categories. I said, great. Does anybody want to judge those? And so they all picked. No one judged tetherball. Everything else got judged. <laughs> Um, and the and the and the cl- <laughs> um, and so they went through and they and as we got to each one, I would say like, all right, so um, so after the tetherball one, the next one was um, full contact hopscotch. Like, so how does that? How is that one? And so then the players are awesome because they would describe to me, well, this is what it is, and this is how it would work. So I could okay, these many people get through it based on who was left. And then the final thing when they got down to the last five contestants was they had to sit into the, the medium council because there's, there's not a small council, there's not a large council, there's a medium council. And they had to sit in one of their meetings because that was one of the things they had to do with Arthur and it was like the most boring thing ever, especially if you're eight because um, they're just talking about business basically. And so they wanted to see what these potential new kings would do in that meeting. Yeah, so um, actually my wife was the uh, the runner of that one and – she was like, "Okay, well, um, you're gonna, you know, whoever basically powered their way through it and ran the council won the 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 thing. Right. We, the first two that actually made it into it didn't succeed, and then we actually had to call back the other ones 
to go through through the uh, the council to actually see who would win. So it was actually surprisingly the guy that had the most armor on yeah. in the pictures. Yeah, he was the guy that looked different, but you know, I can't do anything with that. Now, I've never played a Grim game before. Um, this is also my first con, by the way. Uh, thank you, thank you. I uh, got some feedback for you, Jim. Um, <laughs> no escape. Anyway, yeah, but more, more soda machines, obviously. Yeah, more, yes, definitely. <laughs> um, now, I am in a room full of immature motherfuckers. But hey, hey, hey. Yes. Don't talk about me. Uh, yes. Now, getting into the mindset of an eight-year-old and that immaturity is, a, is something new to me. And the group that we had was fucking awesome because it was an, it was an immaturity that, that you know, fit and, and worked. Robotic butt monkeys? Robotic butt monkey flaming with rainbow lasers rainbow coming out of their eyes and armor. So, so get <laughs> no. That was yeah, that Bruce. was the group think was like all hey because they had, they had a dreamer with them as well, which Arthur is, so he can make things happen over there. So they had, they had Alicia, yeah. which is the female, the girl who played character, the dreamer, and she was, was amazing. She was an amazing player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, yeah, she was Luna Lovegood yeah. playing like an eight year old. It was fantastic, and uh, and they were like, well, we should. What should we make? We should make something. Yeah, what if we could? What could we use to fight? Because the they were going to be attacked, but they knew they were attacked by some massive army. Like, I don't know. What if we made? And it was like, what if we made like robots? Arthur, can you draw a robot? And he's like, yeah, but nothing I draw does anything anymore because he'd lost his imagination and his innocence, so he couldn't he couldn't make things come to life anymore. Um, yeah, because he's adulting. Um, yeah, I know, it's subtle. I'm making like fucking political commentary in my games, um, and uh, and and so they were and they were like, well, do you, Alicia, can you do something? Like, I don't know, maybe we can figure it out. Well, what should we make? And it went from robots to like, what if they were like monkeys. Yeah, monkeys. monkeys? Monkeys are funny, right? Monkeys are funny, and and you had said robots. robots. Yeah, John said robots, and then it was like, what if they were like monkey robots? It's like, what if they have monkey robots that can breathe fire? And while they're figuring out what they're going to use, Alicia had made a magical copy machine. Because the idea was Arthur like would do. draw it and they would make copies of it, so it would make like a shitload of them, which again was pretty brilliant. I'm like, oh my god, they're gonna make a fucking army of these things. <laughs> this is about to get bad, or really good actually. Um, but while they were arguing it, um, uh, Lily was playing Sam. Yeah, Sam the Jock decides like, oh, I'm gonna photocopy my butt. So he does, and the so and so the the machine would only make robot robot monkey. Uh, like pictures of robot monkeys uh, that breathe fire, but this was a butt-faced robot monkey that breathed fire, and they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to make robot butt-faced monkeys that breathe fire. It's going to be amazing. And it was like, oh, my God. Yep, that's it. Yeah. And, yes. Yeah, we're all eight years old, and that came so were our characters. Yeah, and that came back That came back to play at the against the big fight, which you guys actually battled uh, the Mad King. Yeah, and, and, and the, the Dreamers summoned a... 20 foot tall robot butt monkey that shot rainbow lasers out of its eyes. Right, because she didn't want to breathe fire because that would be but too dangerous. It smelled like. And, and the lasers smelled like ice cream, which was amazing because it stank so bad in there from the Rotten King. She's like, I want the. And they smell like ice cream. I'm like, okay. So when she ordered it to attack, it was, she was like, oh, you guys, wait, everything's really weird. It smells like ice cream. And everyone's like, whoa. But. Yeah, the, the game was the game was tons of fun. Bill ran a great game and just went with the shit that we threw at him. And if anyone hasn't played Grim, I highly recommend it. It was a blast. 
Yeah, we had, had a great group. Definitely yeah. an amazing group. I always like I said I feel super lucky and boy that was the exact opposite of my morning. Cuz this was <laughs> this was like whatever. Yeah, we're rolling when we roll. Um, so it's great. So that was my uh, that was my game running experience. And now I don't know what I'll do for a sixth Dream game because they defeated the Mad King. They exploded him, which is which is really awesome when the, the guy whose keepsake is a lighter gets underneath him and goes and lights it and then waits and then the Mad King gets knocked onto him face first. So all the like rotten, stinky sulfur goo explodes. It was badass. Awesome. Excellent. Yeah, it was the Stay Puff Eggman. You guys, yeah, the ocean stuff. Somebody and the, uh, the gal who played uh, um, uh, Alicia, she said like, she's like, oh my god, you got to run Rapunzel because that's the creepiest character ever and stuff. She's like, there's plenty of villains. So I was like, and it was because of what she said. I always take the next game off of what people say at the end, which I think is another fun thing to do, especially if you can do it at, at the cons. And uh, Merlin sent them home, and he's like giving them, like telling them about their their futures and everything. And 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 she she's like all she's like I have a question, and then Merlin's like yes child, amazingly sounds like Deckard Cain Elder, but um, <laughs> what a shock like, yes yes child, <laughs> stay a while and listen, um, and and she's like we're not going to get to come back are we? And I was like oh my god and like but she was kind of bummed it was deep and I was and it was like all you never know but I can't see your future there and they were like and she was like all. All bummed out, and I'm like, "Oh man, maybe this is the last one I'm going to run." That's crazy, because I didn't think about that. But oh fuck, you might have to make new pre-gen characters. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, fuck that. I could run another orc-based L5R since I only spent 74 hours making those fucking characters. <laughs> All right, and thank you for running games. Yay. You're welcome. Uh, I'm next on the list. I ran two games today. I ran uh, Edge of the Empire. Uh, it was called uh, Searching for Riva Bostra. And it's, it takes place in the same... Dr. Bostra? No. See, that's why, it was, that's why it was Basma, and you made me change it. Okay. Because <laughs> originally it was Basma. Look, there was an R in that name. It was okay. Basma. I typed it. I didn't write it out. Whatever. That's fine. Um, but this is not not even a relative. Cool. So you don't have to go and murder her. Um, what? Spoiler. But it, it, it is a it, death. Be cool, honey bunny. It was it was a uh, it was within the same continuum as our campaign. So events that happened in it will reflect in the campaign when the next campaign. Do we need to leave? That excites me. No, 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 no. In the Greek right. fashion. Uh, basically, it's um, the. And, oh, and the second game I ran was a moment of truth, uh, and it was a return to the big blue monkeys from outer space. Yeah. Uh, big blue monkeys from outer space, outer space. And the first game, uh, the first game was a, a, a very simple mission. Uh, Sunta the Hut wanted the party to go to Tatooine uh, because uh, she had sent someone there, Riva Bastra, to um, uh, pick up some illegal goods. For 50,000 credits. Uh, she gets to the planet. She ho- hollows back and says, I'm here. I'm, I'm making Planetfall now. Um, never arrives. Never has the meat. The guy who's got the material that Cynthia's trying to buy sends a message to her angrily saying, you're leaving me with the bag. Where's your? Where's the money? Blah, 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 blah. So they send the party to go find out what happened. And they have to kind of make good with the, uh, the guy who's trying to, who's trying to sell the stuff. And uh, 
they end up finding uh, finding one person who had business dealings with the uh, Riva, and um, at that point, the party came to the realization that wait, we're enforcers for a hut. <laughs> we don't have to negotiate. We don't have to try to be nice. We don't have to mm. trick anyone or do anything sneaky. We can come in and intimidate the fuck out of them because we work for a hut, and everyone knows if you don't do, especially when you owe her when she's missing money. So they came in and they ended up taking a bunch of his stuff, the whatever part of the money he had he had he had taken. They find they find her. There's a huge shootout inside of a cave, which is really hard pla- a really hard place to have a shootout, and uh, <laughs> and in the end. Um, they never even found out why. They didn't even care. They never found out why she had left, really, or any of the. There's all this backstory about why all this stuff had happened. They're like, no, we're thugs. <laughs> we came in, we kicked the shit out of her, we took her, we took the the credits back, and we hauled her back to something so she could be tortured to death. You totally gave them exactly what every role playing gamer wants to be a murder hobo. Exactly. <laughs> So, uh, is is there anyone that wants to let's see, who is in the edge of the empire? Uh, Rodney and Weasel Creature. Uh, if you have anything that you want to say about, it's me on the forums. Oh. A- and in, and in real life too. Actually, <laughs> I answer to that just as often. Um, yeah, the game was tons of fun. Uh, the system <laughs> combats are are pretty uh, quick, which is uh, good uh, because in that bar that was mentioned. I got the information that yeah, drinks the bar because it was a Gungan. I got the information I needed, and we were leaving with absolutely no problems whatsoever. And then I decided to spit at the slavers. <laughs> so, for those who follow the actual play, the same two Trandoshans were there <laughs> with their Twilic slave inside the drinks cantina, as was the the Gungan with one eye stalk. Did they discover the secrets of drinks cantina? N- no, but you will not see the Trandoshans again. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I didn't realize at the time, but uh. when, when, we dropped out of, when we dropped out of hyperspace and there was the Dreadnought cruiser approaching us, I thought, this sounds like something I just listened to. <laughs> but fortunately, the actual play didn't get so far into the mission that I didn't know how it was going to end. Oh, it wasn't the same scenario. Oh, no, oh, oh okay. Scenario. Well, that's good to hear because I thought, yeah, not the same scenario. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, 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 since the combats were so quick, we were able to fortunately dispatch the Tranishans with only minor injuries um, relatively quickly. In all fairness, they showed up to a bar fight with weapons. Yes. <laughs> yes. I just spit at them and they drew weapons. Yeah. So okay. we killed them. So, bowcaster. Boom. Yeah, our, our wiki with the bowcaster. Um, <laughs> we, we had a lot of fun uh, uh, tr- tracking things down. Uh, a lot of different skill use w- was done. Um, uh, d- some good role play happening. In the final battle, it was a lot of fun uh, in this tiny little cave where somebody was throwing stun grenades into melee combat with our Wookiee. Eventually knocked our Wookiee out, but that was fine because our Wookiee was kicking the shit out of, the, of, our, of our enemy. Um, and we just, we just had a blast. The Wookiee was waging. Yeah, shit. I'll talk, I'll talk for her. Here's Rodney. Yeah, uh, Rodney once again, uh, and I played in that as well. Uh, we, I actually really liked the the ship mechanic. It's fun. Yes, it was very fun. It was it. There was enough. 
pieces of, oh, this is a mechanic's job. This is a pilot's job. This is the co-pilot's job. The where, slicer's job. The slicer's job. Everybody had a job flying the ship. So you have to make your role and, and you know, oh, it's, it's important. To, okay, I'm not just, you know, manning the gun going, okay, I still can't hit nothing, you know. So with, with half the party just sitting there because they can't either fly or shoot. Yes. Yeah, so that, that was actually very nice. I liked that, that section, and I really liked uh, the mechanics of the game. I'd never run into that. I'd never done that dice mechanic before, and it was you know, interesting. It, it felt a little you know, long as far as, you know, okay, where are my dice and what am I doing? But I think that if I played it for a while, it would actually have a little bit of flow to it. So. Yeah, that, you actually pick up on the dice mechanic relatively quickly. It's unusual, but, but not complicated. Well, and it was really fun. Like, we might fail something. So maybe my character doesn't hit something, but I get an advantage, which I was able to pass on to the next player. So they got a boost. Or I was able to turn that into a disadvantage for the NPCs. So that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. to be, you know. So, yeah, it was a little convoluted. But I really liked how the advantage and disadvantage system worked in terms of making things a little bit more interesting. Because we, have, we eventually ended up at one point where our enemies had, like, five disadvantages or something like that. I mean, it was pretty crazy. But it, it, it was cool. It really felt dynamic. One success and five disadvantages. <laughs> yeah, you get, yeah. The, the, the um, it, it was fun. It was a fun game. I enjoyed it. It was, um, uh, and it, there's, a, there's repercussions that will, that will happen in the actual I play. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> Well, I'll tell you, the Gungan, the Gungan's a little pissed off because someone started a firefight in his bar. We yeah. Him. We gave him the Trandoshans. Yes. Yeah, you did. and But you made him get rid of the bodies. Yeah. <laughs> he offered, okay, yeah. All right. And the, the, other, the other game I ran was a moment of, yeah. So he, he's going to be bitchy, is that what you're saying? You can have a bit of a toot, and we didn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, someone else has created a problem that we know. <laughs> you might. Yeah. Oh, so we have we have sol- we have problems to solve. Maybe. That's twice, Dave, and that time on me. Dude, that's twice. In the Greek fashion, just a little. little Get a hurt. sippy cup. Two times, man. This is. <laughs> he's literally using a sippy cup. Oh, get a better sippy cup. <laughs> Two times, man. So the, the second game I ran was Moment of Truth, uh, Big Blue Monkeys from Outer Space Return. There were no actual Big Blue Monkeys in it. Uh, and there's been a, a, uh, substantial changes in the game system since then. Uh, so if anyone who played in it has any feedback on it, basically the, the, the premise of the adventure is there are the party is divided into two groups. There's Americans and there are British. And each have a crew of their own dirigible that flies through space. Because this is a pulp science fiction game. Well, there is very there's no science whatsoever. Um, yes, yes, yeah. It, it, so the connection. So what you're saying is that this this particular setting would not be hard enough for Dave. No, it would not. Not even close. <laughs> Floppy sci-fi is unsatisfying enough. sci-fi. Right. I wouldn't even put the sci part of it in. Oh, yeah. it's space fiction. Space exactly. Space. You, you you start with a little phi, right? <laughs> work yourself up. Then you tickle little, the sigh a little, and then a little there, right? little sigh, and then you're like, oh, oh, here we go. It's getting hard, right? Feels silly than that usual. But uh, the 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 the, the, the game started with 
Um, I can smell your five from here. Oh. Come on, man. I showered. What are you talking about? Uh, the game started Come with on, the man. with the uh, uh, British ship aflame and being attacked by pirates. And the American ship had to come in and rescue them. Because the, the, the premise of the game is two crews that are rivals have to share the same ship. And so in this case, in, actually in every case, the British, the British uh, ship is lost and the Americans have to come in, rescue them, and they come aboard. And in this, in this case, the, 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 the scenario was that uh, astronomers on the Titan observatory had discovered a ninth planet called planet nine and outer space right and they had transmitted a message back saying we found a new planet they didn't give the coordinates for the new planet they said they found it well there happened to have been a there was a a german airship in the area uh came by uh stormed the the observatory took all of the notes and set off with a german flag to plant it because whoever plants the flag on the planet Gets to own the planet. Sure. Space I, Nazis. I feel like I should mention about the, the environment or the world itself, this this universe that, that exists. I don't think you've... You may have mentioned it in previous games, yeah. but... Good. But you're, you're flying through space, but space has air. Yeah. And it has up and down. Like, mm-hmm. if you threw something over the edge of your ship, like your seafaring ship, but with a balloon and, yeah. and a propeller in the back to make you go forward. Mm-hmm. If you th- sails or sails, what, whatever you have, um, it will, it'll just keep falling down. Yes. As defined by down. Yeah, because down's that way. Yeah, it's that way. <laughs> Even in space. And, and I found that just the most fascinating thing. It's like, that's why you can just get on like your normal seafaring ship and go up or left or right and just be like in space. Right. It was amazing. I loved that part. <laughs> but, um, they're, 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 they're basically they, they, they caught up to the, the they have to go to the, the uh, 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 observatory try to figure out where the coor- what the coordinates were and there was a little bit of a mystery to that which Bruce's character on the British side the solved, smart one small, solved very quickly and kept that information to himself that's not like Bruce at all. Because what happened? Well, what, well what there was ha- a reason. What happened is both the American and British generals contacted their respective captains and said, "You guys need to work together because we're allies." But you plant our flag there first. <laughs> so the, they were both working together to make sure that no one else got to plant their flag there first. But the entire time, they're sort of playing the long game and plotting to try to make sure that, that they're, they can plant theirs and the other guys can't plant theirs. So while he is sneaking, finds all of this information, uh, that's your, that, yeah, that's where you can go. Uh, this is Mary. Um, and so while they were plotting, plotting all of that, um, before we had truly hit the point of a nasty rivalry, our captain had said, hey, go sneak on their ship. Um, and actually, what I was told was mess with their stuff. But it had been... I was playing... Um, I was play, Yes, I was playing Finch. L- Lieutenant Laser ra- yes. Rifle Murder um, Hobo. Yes, I was yeah. the Laser Rifle Dude, one Murder Hobo. One-shotting everything. It was amazing. Except the psychic. Except me, yeah. We'll get to that. Right, because that's the one shooting role I failed. That's right. Um, so um, well, I had been asked to go on their ship and mess with stuff. And then I remember the captain one. was somewhat put out that their ship was slightly faster than ours. So I stole one of the shiny pieces off their engine. 
Um. <laughs> I, but I want to tell one thing before that. They've been they've been trying to mess with our ship before that point, and they have this. But huge, we were obvious about it that yeah, time. Yeah, and you have this huge mechanic guy who's dumb as a post, but has this <laughs> wrench that's gigantic. I tell this because later it becomes relevant, and he wants to go help fix our engine because we're obviously going too fast. So. <laughs> I mean, he's one of the things. He's very overt. Like, I'm going to fix your engine. And like, yeah, we're actually kicking some ass here and passing you. So, no thanks. So I mind control him, send him back to the ship. <laughs> so later on, we're doing this whole thing, and she stays behind and messes with our ship, and we do some combat, and I get the perfect information to uh, to get the the jump on him. So in mid combat, um, we have a doctor. Healing up uh, our captain on the British side, right. and he he heals up the captain, and I calmly walk over and say, "He mobile? Yeah, let's go." Middle of the combat, we go to the ship. They're fighting this last chicken, turkey, turkey, turkey. like eight foot big turkey thing that really hurt. Actually, <laughs> messed our captain up, and we go to take off, and that's when we find out that oh yeah, we don't have a steam engine. Yeah, they, they had well, not realized shit. that it happened. I have never been passed so many notes in a game in my entire life, ever. I swear, there was a stack of like 20 or 30 of them by the time it was done, all with multiple messages. But it's also a good thing I stayed with our ship because then I was able to catch our captain when he too successfully flirted with one of the turkeys and went for a flight. Far, far too successfully flirted with the turkey. Yeah. Flirted with a turkey. Yes, yes, yes. It took him off to meet. Um, the, the American captain was pretty much Captain Kirk. Don't work, bitch. Yeah, it was don't do the thing, and then I saved him from the thing. Yes. <laughs> um, it, it was actually really consistently that that was our interaction, where he did a thing, and then I competently came and made sure he survived. <laughs> but in one of the great. <laughs> funniest role-playing moments that I've had in a long, long time, this, this younger guy, I don't know his name, but brilliant brilliant i'll call him a kid because i'm old now but um th- he, he he plays the mechanic guy and this is the part that really made me almost i, I actually handed over one of my own destiny points to him because it was so brilliant i'm we're, we're like oh yeah we're on the ship and they're of course we can't go anywhere because they broke our ship they broke the engine and i'm like yeah we seem to have a problem with our engine all scoldy like and he goes i offered to help <laughs> Right, and I, I, I was like, <laughs> I, I was beside myself how funny that was. So I'm like, here you go, man. Here's a destiny point of my very own because brilliant, now, man. So, so they get the information and then they leave and they, and they head off to, um, to, to planet nine. Um, I then get up to go take a restroom break. When I come back, there are there are two notes sitting on my on my keyboard on my laptop. One is from the British, and it says, I'm going to sneak over, and I'm going to try to steal the American flag. And then I open up the one from the Americans, which says, we're going to find the British flag and steal it. (laughs) (laughs) But mine also said, and we're going to hide ours really well. Yeah, I got both notes at the same time, so I, I, I think I wrote on yours, it's too late. Oh, it was on theirs. On theirs. Wrote on ours, it's too late. Right. But it's like, well, you know, I, was, I, I put the spy. And the rest, the rest of, the, of the game session was them <laughs> playing keep away with each other's flags, coming up with the, 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 the kid who played Bruno Huginski, who was the mechanic on the American side, Brilliant. built a grappling hook 
machine that he could put the flag in and shoot it onto the planet without them having to land to be able to get a jump on them so they didn't actually have to make landfall. Uh, and they, the flags moved around and traded places. Meanwhile, they had to fight the Germans, who they finally caught up with. And the Germans, of course, their dirigibles use helium, or I'm sorry, hydrogen. And so they shot at the, at the balloon, causing an enormous fire to start. And then they heard screaming, realizing, the oh, humanity. no, the astronomers are on board. Oh, so. No. <laughs> Oops. Um, so, yeah, it was actually a wonderful game of three-on-three, three, fuck you, except when somebody <laughs> messed with us. And um, I don't think I've laughed so hard in a role-playing game in a very long time because we were all just being absolute fuckers to each other. Um, but I actually went to comment on the system because this was my first time playing um, – in Moment of Truth. And I hadn't actually listened to any of the actual plays recently, so I hadn't heard most of the progression of the system. Um, and, like, it took me about three rolls to get the hang of it because I was coming in off of playing 7th C for the first time, so I'd already learned one new system that day. Uh, so it took me about three rolls to get the hang of what I was doing and figure out where I was supposed to be looking on the character sheet. But after that, it was like, okay, I'm doing this, and I'm rolling this, and I'm killing this. I killed a lot of this and that and the other thing. And there was there was a lot of death. It was very satisfying. Killy character. I, I mean, your gun was amazingly scary. My gun was better than the ship Especially cannon. Especially when it's being shot at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it was also really nice getting to play the shooty punchy character because I'd played um, two very political characters and run a game before that. Uh, so getting getting to just be like, and I kill it was was a nice change of pace. Um, so yeah, it's, the system was very, very easy to pick up. And there was, I felt like there was a lot of like nitty gritty we could have gotten into with it if you l- wanted to let us do it that would have let us really have fun with the system. So I'm looking forward to the chance to play in it again. I really enjoy the the the, the fact about that system is it, it is intentionally, but it, it is a very brutal system. Yes, you can you can be ended very quickly um, by certain technologies or you know just whatever. Don't uh, drive a beer truck. You know, no. it's, it's, oh, it's, it's changed since uh, dramatically since <laughs> then. I mean, I've yeah. seen it through a lot of different iterations, and it, and, it's, and one thing has remained consistent. You have to be careful not to be on the re- wrong end of the very big weapon. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, the I've made it less deadly, but just as brutal combat-wise. So there, there is two types of damage. One of which heals very quickly, but can still knock you out. So it, it's kind of, it, hero-like yeah, in, it's, it's in that way. So I was playing uh, Dr. Nathaniel Napier, and this is my first... By the way, the most creative use of a moment of truth ever so far in all of the games I've run. Okay, so I was playing Dr. Nathaniel Napier, who, um, as soon as I managed to look at the second sheet... Uh, the second character sheet, I realized. Well, okay, he's 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 British, but he's he's Scottish because he has anger management issues. So, um, uh, and and I really had absolutely nothing that I could do in combat unless I got mad, and I kept making my will rolls so I didn't get mad. So my I, I was I was cleric. I was healing, you know, my captain and uh, and dragging him down after. His, Bruce says, okay, we've got the coordinates, let's get the hell out of here. And, you know, it, it was it was all working out okay, and I was the one who grabbed the fire extinguisher to put out the fire that Bruce started, which was amusing because in the game I played Friday night, uh, I was the one who started the fire, so it, it came around full circle there. Um, but... <laughs> 
but uh, the the moment of truth use that that Stu alluded to is I I, I took advantage of the uh, the mechanic that allows you to raise the stakes, right? And I'm like, well, it's my healing roll. This is the best thing that I have. I'm going to raise the stakes. Sure, three sixes, no ones. Perfect, great. I do it again because somebody got hit again. Let's do it again. All right, cool. Raise the stakes again. Two sixes, no ones. Great. Perfect. I now have six destiny points stacked in front of me. You can accumulate destiny points really quickly if you if are you are careful about if your dice rules. don't hate you. Yeah, if your dice are if your, if dice, your dice, dice don't hate you. Yeah. And my dice did not hate me in that f- 10 minute period. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it comes down to the end and you know, we're in outer orbit of the planet. They, they have dispatched all of the bad guys. They've captured one German soldier who's on the spare ship that they have. Pirate Corsair. The, the, the Pirate Corsair that they captured, which is now the British ship. Everyone else has been fighting below decks, trying to light the, the, the American ship on fire and doing all well, kinds of stuff. That wasn't the goal. And, and I, 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 it started to fight. Well, <clears throat> you started it. I started the fire. I, I, didn't, I, I didn't start the fire. I put out the fire. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you know, it, what's bad about that is the game I played in on Friday night where I did start the fire, another character was named Billy Joe. Okay. Who's, who became Billy Joel real quick. Um, real quick? Real quick. Shut up. Shut up. Um, so, so there's the... I, I, all of a sudden I realized that the two captains are having a sword fight below decks... The four of us in are the up Greek fashion. in the Greek fashion. The yes. four of us are on top deck. No, I wasn't. no, you weren't. Where were you? Well, you weren't. How do we just tell the story? You were on order? the you were on the stairs shooting somebody or other, but you were close order? enough. And there was this entire other ship that only had one person on it—a a, a German, a, a Kaiserreich style German captive, not Nazis. These were Kaiserreich. Pointy helmets. Right, right. Not Pinheads. Helmets. I love their roles. Pinheads, yeah. The Kaiser, the Kaiser right. Yes. So good. So good. about the poppy seeds. Yeah. So I look at this stack of destiny points in front of me, and I, I turn to Bruce. I said, "Is the, please tell me this sounds like a good idea. And he said, I love it. Do it. I take a little note. I love it. Right. I'll be over here lighting the ship on fire. <laughs> I take a little note. I said, okay, Never here's what I want to do, Scoop. I'm going to spend the moment of truth, the three points. That German captive is a British double agent. And um, he's going to take control of the pirate Corsair and take it down to the planet with an auxiliary. Oh, no, no. You had your flag and you threw it across well, to the other that, Well, that, that because oh, I, the note said with an auxiliary British uh, Union Jack. Right. And he said, you can't have the other Union Jack. I said, all right, fine. I grabbed the union, the union Jack that Bruce had squirreled up his skirts. Everybody wanted in my pants this game, but not for the r- usual reasons. <laughs> grabbed that, threw it over the side. At that exact moment, I think it was, the British captain comes up on decks and sees me throwing the, the Union Jack over the side of the ship. And he's, he hadn't seen the note. So <laughs> he's like, what the hell are you doing? And the German captive, who is now free... Stands up, snatches the flag out of the air, does a full salute, British style, and the starts to take the Corsair off 
to you know land on the planet and claim it for queen and country. What the good doctor has forgotten is that we yeah. never did repair that engine. We so never it did, just no. drifted off into space. No. <laughs> so now we're losing this little run of yeah. claiming the planet. So and and, and the, your one British flag is now floating away on a lifeless uh, ship. Away it goes. Yeah. So naturally, I had to end the game by, and I apologize to your listeners, by burning the American flag. <laughs> So they, they neither of them had a flag. That's downright on American. It was it was British. <coughs> so and that was the 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 solution that that Mary came up with was we took a piece of paper, we drew an American flag on one side, we drew a Union Jack on the other, we planted that on the planet, and both of us could go back to our respective generals and say, Well, they didn't plant it before we did. <laughs> Um, and then the, apparently the international courts came into it and said that's not a real flag and it becomes equivalent to Antarctica and its common usage planet now. And yeah. I just want to say that I am wildly jealous of all of you that got to play in this game. One, because it sounds like a totally fucking amazing game, but also because I got to play in the first Blue Monkeys game that right. Stu ran, and it happens that that was exactly five years ago this con, and it was the very first con I came to. Awesome. Yay. I can't believe it was that long ago. I can't believe it was five years ago. I, I didn't think it's amazing. <laughs> He's not as old as me. Wow. So I, I, the, it, it, to, to make a long story slightly longer, the, um, uh, the changes I've made to the system seem to work very well. The damage changes work very well. Um, basically, once I finish a little bit of character generation stuff to sort of simplify that, it's going to be done. So I'm, I'm happy with the way the game works. Yay! And then uh, Tomes ran a Fallout Shelter Lego game. Yeah. Yes. Do you want to talk about it? And Tomes is here. Holy smokes. I know, right? The man, the myth, the legend. Hi, my name is uh, Tomer. Tomes on the forum. You can call me Tomes. Uh, is it tomes in the forums? Is Tomer was too long to write. Uh, it was tomes. That's just a name people used to call me back in high school and junior high. Were that was a nobody got that. I no, fuck it you was, guys. It was pretty clever. I got it. Can I ask you a favor? Can you say who are you? It was pretty clever. Who are you, and what do you do that makes you famous? My name is Tomes, and uh, I guess in a word, uh, Lego. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I do want to say I am honored to be here right now. It has been three and a half years since I have been coming to this con, mostly because of what you guys have uh, done, and uh, this is the first time I've been here. Yeah. You guys choose a horrible slot to run this thing because all the best games are running, but I came today. How? How can you say well, that when we're all here right now? Wait, did all you know, the great did you notice that? I just thought that he's like, this is the slot where all the best games are running. Rock. None of us are running. Oh, motherfucker. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, just, he just said why. All the best Cthulhu and Dread games are running at 8 on Saturday. Uh, oh. Who's running Cthulhu and Dread in here? Is it C? Uh, no, not me. Sorry, guys. If I was running Cthulhu, I, I couldn't tell you because my Dark Lord would prohibit it. <laughs> I'm gonna run. A, I'm gonna run a Cthulhu game at nine in the morning next time, just to prove you wrong. Okay. Uh, so I ran a Fallout Shelter role-playing game uh, based on Fallout Shelter, uh, the iPhone game or phone game. Um, yes. Yeah, not just iPhone. Sorry, don't mean to be prejudiced there. Um, so, uh, anyways, uh, that was it. It has Lego. 
Uh, I thought it was pretty fun. I will let someone else talk about it. Okay. Okay. So I, through a miracle of random people not showing up, I got into that game. It's already empty. Um, which I was super thankful for because I have heard legend told of the Lego games and I needed to see for myself. Hello? Thank you. I was super close to it before. I was right here. Oh. Anyway. It's not all about you. I bought that in the cafe. Okay, I'm alright, that's fine Don't get angry with me <laughs> If anybody comes in here and asks I will produce a receipt Awesome Because From I last con. Okay. No, I bought one One On Friday <laughs> At 10.30 in the morning And I have been saving it until right now Okay Wink wink <laughs> As they say but did you not learn anything from your traveler character about recorded evidence? <laughs> Word. <laughs> if they listen to this and come back and ask me, I've told the truth. <laughs> Go ahead. Anyway, I got to play in this game and it was um fucking amazing. Um he built character sheets out of Lego and had equipable spots for your outfit and your weapon, and if you happen to have a pet, your pet. There was only one pet in the game that I didn't like very much, but that was okay. Sure, but it ate some of our food, and that was my job, so I didn't really like it so much. Just the way it is. I like you. You did good job, so it's fine. Uh, but you you do good job. It's in Soviet fallout. Uh, but uh, we had an amazing time, and the way he had integrated the app, for those of you that have played it, was astounding. Like, he had come up with a whole mechanic to make everything work just like the app works. And every time something else came up, I was like, holy shit, that's awesome. And it was really one of the weird role-playing experiences that I was like, I can't believe that someone is this creative and has come up with a, such a good way to do it. No, seriously. Like, I can't even fathom the depth that exists in your mind that made this happen. Yes, yeah. Uh, not even a joke. Like I like every little room that we explored, and he would bring out a little Lego clip-on thing that built the map further. And we had little Lego characters that moved around his GM screen that showed where we were. And he'd worked out a time mechanic that worked. The and he and he made a Lego timer that wow. showed how this all worked. Like every single thing I could possibly think of, he yeah. He had thought of and integrated into this game in a way that if you've played Fallout Shelter, the game, you're like, oh, that makes all the sense ever. Um, and just by random chance, I got some objective cards that he had given us that helped me level up like a fiend. And <laughs> all of a sudden at once, I ended up being a level 
a two leveled up person, so level three, uh, that gave me a whole bunch of hit points and a super badassery, and it was amazing. And then I drank a bottle of soda that turned out to be the wrong choice. <laughs> Uh, and I ended up being executed in a cage. Because you drank the wrong soda? Because I drank a soda. In the Greek yeah. fashion. Yeah. <laughs> it was not a good soda. Let me Did tell the, you. Was there a death claw attack that TPK'd the party? There was a death claw, but we wrecked it. Oh, really? Oh. It was a, it was a small, just had eaten all of the people that lived in a vault. Okay. Death claw, so it was a little slow. Got it. And happy, but yeah, it was awesome. And Jim played with me, and let's hear what he has. Yeah. In the Greek fashion? We, we played in the Greek fashion. No, um, uh, this is the second sort of Lego Tomes game I played in. I was lucky enough to be in the Star Frontiers one uh, that he ran last, last year, uh, and which made me basically uh, abuse my power this time because my wife is a huge Fallout fan, so I said, no, we're playing in this. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was, like, it was pre-registration. I, used, I do that once per con, half, and once except per con, for me. <laughs> it, it was a total abuse of power, but man, you, you what, did I make it. the right call or You what? deserve yeah, it. This game was yes. freaking amazing. Um, the, the thing about it was that really impressed me was he took a resource management game and turned it into a role-playing game that still worked as a resource management game. Um, the, way that it, the, the way that it worked, and even worked this way sort of in the Star Frontiers game, is that there's a limited pool of equipment that you can have in the entire game. He actually has little chits that actually represent all of the equipment. Yeah. yeah. So when, when you're generating the character, you're given a pool of stuff that the group has to pull from to make their characters. So everybody either has to work together or be completely contentious about the equipment trying to get what they want. Um, and so that as the, the, the sort of the kernel of the, of the game moved on, as all the resources were sort of managed this way. Every time you picked something up, you had a little, he had a little box made out of Lego that limited the amount of stuff that you can carry with you. It was sort of your backpack. So once you filled that all out, you had to toss stuff out to come, to come back in. What I found to be the biggest different thing about this which is the narrative portion i think of the game was the fact that everybody had to choose four cards and all of them had three objectives on them and you get to pick the two that you wanted to keep and if you the way you leveled up was completing the objectives in this and the objectives could be a mechanical objective like kill three rats or whatever and as part of the or it could be make friends with two members of the vault try to do this and and it actually gave you role play cues for things throughout the entire game because that's how you got coinage that's how you got more items that's how you leveled up and got more stuff so it was sort of a guide for you to you, you had to role play in order to be able to do the stuff but that's a mechanic in shelter which is awesome which is a mechanic in shelter uh and the the lego the the fog of war thing that creates with the Lego because every room you go into is not actually present on the board. Once you walk in, that's when he pulls it out. And the screen grab from the actual game is the room and your guys are moving in. You're literally moving from room to room that as you would see in the game in the role playing game. So the integration of some uh, of something that really wasn't meant to really be a role playing game turned into a role playing game is just incredibly impressive and creative, dude. Outside of just the Lego thing, which is nifty, the the, the mechanical things that you do in the game were fantastic. The, the translation was great. He used a lot of stuff. He used the special stat, just like the game. Mm -hmm. that, those were our stats. And he had sort of an apocalypse world move list 
that were all things that you would do in the actual app. Uh, so you had to choose from those moves. Uh, but all of it really flowed very organically because uh, choosing the moves was – the, there was, of course, the one generic move that can fit in for a lot of things. But everything was – I don't think we not – didn't utilize a single move. We used all of them, I think, at one point during the game, which is really good for the system. Uh, to, a good tell from the system. But, uh, yeah, had a great time, man. And uh, and sign up quick for these games because I'm going to probably give you all of them. Uh, <laughs> awesome. Thank, hey, what do got? Just want to say thanks. Uh, thanks, guys. And thank you for running games. And... Oh, we didn't, we didn't say that. Stu, Stu, thank you for running games. You can you say... And uh, for those of you that might be interested in seeing what our little uh, Fallout Shelter map GM screen looked like, I just tweeted out the picture of it. Okay. Oh, excellent. Sweet. Including the timer that he had built and my little character sheet. I'll retweet it. Yeah. He and he even built a soundboard based on all the music and sounds from the app uh, that he was ready and playing the whole time, and he even built a little Lego. Uh, the Fallout assistant, Handy, Mr. Handy, uh, robot with his Bluetooth speaker integrated into the the design. Jesus Christ, Tom's. Yeah, like, like. Okay. I feel bad anytime I talk about like, oh, I spent some time working on this game. I'm like, no, I didn't spend enough. All, all I have to say is challenge accepted. There you go. It's on. Uh-oh. Now, Mia, yes, did, did any, any two characters, like, run into the back of the barracks and get busy? We walked into the barracks room, and I was like, I know what happens here. <laughs> like, this is not part of the game mechanic here. Let's just move on. Okay, I'm looking at the map. That is fantastic. I'll retweet this. I didn't do it. Yes, please do. That is fantastic. Yeah, it's so, awesome. so it's it's... It's the same perspective. It's yeah. It's side, he side built on, a GM right. screen that had the whole game map <laughs> on it. <laughs> That's fantastic, and it was so good. Okay, right. awesome. Uh, let's see, Spirit of Seventy Seven. Yes, the You're man, on here. the myth, well, you the legend. Give us enough shit off, Mike. Get up here and talk. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Fuck that guy. Fuck that, Fuck that guy. guy. Yeah, I'm like telling I'm trying to I'm telling my story at dinner, like, I'm like yeah, I'm gonna tell you the Pathfinder stuff and like every fourth sentence is like Fuck that Fuck guy. That guy. Wow. I don't know what you're talking you're about. You're too though. good not to talk. We're gonna make you talk regardless. William, I'm not sure what you're speaking about. <laughs> how, how did I get written down? I like I how you look at me. Like I that. did not write my down. It's on there, so start talking. Oh, it was Kimmy. Oh, hi, Kimmy. Yeah. Kim Elspeth. Kim Elspeth. Hi. something I do wanted to say. before This will, this will dovetail. No, no. no stay, stay right here. This will dovetail really in. There, there is a common theme that's happened throughout this con, and that is Powered by the Apocalypse. Yes. There have been... Jib has been doing a game. Uh, Stephanie and uh, Tobias, uh, which is a game that Will uh, and Tim and I played in, uh, have playtested the game Powered by the Apocalypse. It seems to be very, very prevalent. So I wanted to to give them kudos. They have a game called... It's basically the Hanna-Barbera cartoons. It's called Jinkies. It's a Scooby-Doo thing. Uh, Will and Tim and myself had the best time. Lots and lots of laughing. Powered by the Apocalypse. 
I'm finding that um, a lot of us are drifting towards those hippie games. And before we go any further, Tobias and Stephanie are good people. So as this game is being worked on, I, I really suggest everybody uh, support them because, you know, I, I really like them. They uh, have supported Spirit of 70 Cents since its very beginning. I, I, uh, if you don't like them, then you're wrong. <laughs> yes. Why are you pointing at me? I, I don't know, Tim, but I'm I, just saying if I you aren't play- supporting Stephanie and Tobias... You're wrong. I played in their game. It was awesome. It's my first Powered by Apocalypse game ever. Ever. It was uh, just an amazing amount of fun. Right. We're all all tossing in clues. At the end of this, Stephanie says, did you guys know that all the clues in this game, because this is a Scooby-Doo game, you gave to me? None of the stuff I gave to you. This is all things that you came up with. So if you sit around and think you had a hard time with the game, that's your own fault. So everything is very proactive with this. And it's actually it's a good fit for the Power by Apocalypse. And I don't think I've laughed that hard in a long time. No, it was amazing. It was the ultimate uh, yes and experience. Because everything we said, we'd roll the dice as long as we got a seven or above. And we would say, oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it was this happened. She'd be like, yeah, totally. That's exactly what happened. Right on. Yeah. And it was great. It was very, very fun. Uh, before I give it back to Dave here, with also about Power of the Apocalypse, there is a, a story I want to share. At the, on Friday, uh, one of our dear listeners showed up to a game. She was ready to play. Uh, a very famous person was going to run the game, and he never showed up. So in the spirit of Happy Jacks, she pulled out her own game, and ran a game for the people that were there. So, Mary, I'd like to congratulate you yeah. for stepping in yeah. and GMing a game, which I think is awesome. All right. Crap, I hope st- I, I was really hoping that Stork would talk a little longer on that one. I, I could talk about myself. Oh, please. Would you like to? There you go. Um, yeah, so I found out today in. what happened was the very famous person was um, in an airport where Obama's plane made an emergency landing, so they actually like evacuated half the airport. So Obama! It yeah, so... Um, <laughs> yeah, so it, it's really not his fault he wasn't there. Uh, the bigger problem was the absolute failure for the people actually manning the table to get the information to tell us, no, you should switch games. So we actually waited over half an hour, just, well, maybe he's a little stuck in traffic. Traffic was rough for people. Um, so by the time we realized, no, he wasn't showing up, we couldn't jump into a new game. Um, and for Super Bowl, uh, my friends decided to have a gaming party, and I showed up, Super and they Bowl. handed me a f- an entire folder of, like, two-page systems. Like, the system was two pages long, and they said, hey, we think you might like this one, and they handed it to me. So Mary learned 42 systems in an hour. It was amazing, because <laughs> yeah. the speed at which she um, learned systems, you're like, excellent, I will now run all of these. Well, no, they only handed me one. I ran it with about 15 minutes to read through it, and due to the fact that, well, it was a really good party, so I sort of forgot to hand the computer printout back to them, and because it was a really good party, they'd accidentally printed... Uh, several extra character sheets for me so not only did i run have uh the game system that was two pages long i actually had character sheets for the people who were at the table with me um so i asked each of them to give me a word um and using the three words they gave me i went all right here's a plot idea and they fought it so hard they almost didn't get to it because um Yet again, I found a system where you play a child in a fucked up world. Yes. <laughs> hold on, hold on. Yes. What what were the three words? Uh, the three words were duck, mirror, no, mirror, and 
Duck. Mirror. Hummus. Hummus. <laughs> um, and I, I came up with something that would have made it work. Um, and so it's fucked up world, except it's real world, except all the things that go bump at the night are real. Adults can't see them. Only kids can. And the, the basic framework I used for the plot was, okay, this school district has decided to have a problem with tardiness. So if you show up late to school, you're locked out of your class and you have to get on a bus to go do community service all day instead of getting to learn. <laughs> Kim is um, like best school ever. Right. Um, and I was like, and this, and I was like, this is a rule for the whole school district because your kid, could, your character could be anywhere from seven to fourteen. So I was like, okay, I can't put them all at the same school. Um, and uh, the kids fought the bus ride so hard. They actually managed to w- find a way to make the bus break down, and they almost hijacked the bus. Except one of the characters had written himself up as a coward, so instead they ran off into the woods with no idea of where they were going. It was great. I got to use Mythbusters as a reference point for how lost they got themselves. Um, I don't think the three people are here um, because I felt like the pacing was completely off due to the fact that I had an adventure in mind that they got to... uh, The game ran about three hours because they're like, hey, uh, dealer's room opens at five, so how about we try to wrap up around five? And I was like, okay, I wasn't planning to run this anyway. Um, So they spent about two of the three hours trying not to go to the plot. Um, And finally, they actually got to themselves so lost, they found the plot. Um, (laughs) It's pretty much, I just let them mess around in the woods until they found where they were supposed to go. And then one of them, before I even got to what I was like, okay, I think this is what the monster will be, stared into a mirror and said Bloody Mary. And the other kid goes, don't say Bloody Mary. And the kid's like, why can't I say Bloody Mary? At which point they all realized what they'd done. And I was like, well, thank you. That made that easy. (laughs) Um, But um, so... Uh, yeah, that was, it was completely impromptu. Um, I think the system was called All Things Truly Wicked. Um, if you search two-page adventures, there was a company that did a contest um, in the last couple of years, and that's one of the top matches that comes up when you find it, if you want to find if I even got the name for the system right, because uh, I left my bag in the LARP room where I'm ditching the LARP. Um, I should go back and get my stuff, maybe. Um but uh, yeah, so spur of the moment game. The guys were really nice about it. Um, I don't know if they were being extra generous because I literally ran with three minutes to think about what I was going to do, or if I actually did a good job. Um, they're <laughs> yes. Um, so yeah, maybe next time I'll actually plan to run that system, or maybe uh, I'll go buy that thing in the dealer's room that looked cool that I think involved like Muppets and a med- medieval world. I don't know. It looked cool though. You'll be running Moment of Truth in September. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, thank you for running games. Uh, Rachel from uh, Pillars of Wait, Sun. wait. What? Can we return to Dave, who was actually talking? He wants to be last. Okay. We'll get to he him. Wants to be last? You want to be last, right? Oh, oh no, go ahead. No, here I'll We'll be last. You know what? It's my show. He's going to be last. Come on. Oh, <laughs> sit the shit down. Uh, you, you run a, a lot called Pillars of Salt? Stu called up a pretty girl. Let him go. Let him go. Let's go. So I am not actually a plot for Pillars of Salt. I'm the community outreach slash newbie wrangler person. And we love you. Yay. Thank you. Uh, I have run LARPs before. Uh, Pillars of Salt is pretty fun. Uh, what would you guys like to know about it? What, what is it? Okay. Uh, Pillars of Salt is a independent Vampire the Masquerade game. So if you're in the Los Angeles area 
and you are looking for a Vampire the Masquerade game that is not affiliated with any of the global organizations. Uh, we're not part of Camp Club. We're not part of One World by Night. We're our own thing, and it's awesome. And uh, we've been promised a Sabbat game in the summer. Stop it. <laughs> She's talking. Oh, good job, guys. So we mostly run focused uh, on Facebook. If you search Pillars of Salt on Facebook, you will find us. We are a very friendly, happy community. I know, because it's my job to make it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so the game we were running tonight was a little different. Uh, normally, the Pillars of Salt games, they happen in Los Angeles, and that's the setting, and everybody comes from Los Angeles, but for this convention game, the storytellers decided that they wanted to do something a little bit different, and this was set in San Diego, in the court of Prince Tara, who two weeks ago was an anarch, and now she's Camarilla. Funny how that works. And so everybody got to play a new character. They got to try out a new clan, a new play style, and see a little bit more about the world of darkness. So I normally play a member of Clan Ventru. Uh, yes. <laughs> a fan. Uh, but I got to walk in as a Tremere this time. Uh, and we yeah. have these. You server. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't help it. Boiler's blood. It's okay. I want to watch. <laughs> I I don't have that power, but I could set him on fire. Uh, okay, it'll happen. It's just a little slower. It's okay. Uh, well, anyway, I walked in as whip. Uh, we all got little paper name tags, our name and our office, and I'm Tremere Whip, and you can't see it on the podcast, but I've scratched out whip and I wrote in primogen, so that's how my night went. <laughs> nice. Yes. You're now the most wanted person in the... Uh... No, I'm not, because because no. uh, the prince, who last week was an anarch, I say last week, but it she's been cam for a couple years, last week for vampires, uh, she's now joined up with the game's bad guys, who are the new promised mandarinate, who are a bunch of Kwaijin who showed um, up. Chinese vampires. Yeah. Sorry. Well, So part of the overarching metaplot of the game is these Asian vampires have rolled in from China or Japan. Or we don't know. They're not talking to us. The East. Yes. Yeah. They are the kindred of the East. Specifically the East. Uh, and we are fighting them for territory and resources, and the prince just peaced out and took all of Clan Bruja with her. Yeah, all four of us. <laughs> <laughs> all of Clan Bruja. So now the Toriador Seneschal is prince. Cool. I'm no, the, the Seneschal was there. Yeah, he showed up late. Because he's always late. <laughs> Do you guys run it every Strategicon? Uh, this is actually our first Strategicon. Yay! And, Yay. Uh, I'm pretty excited because I have been doing LARP at Strategicon for a long, long time. And I finally broke the storytelling staff down. I'm like, no, guys, you need to run a convention game. It'll be awesome. 
and it was awesome yeah. and I'm vindicated Woo! Woo! Uh, but we are planning on coming back in May awesome. yay Awesome. Well, thank you very much. And thank you for organizing does, and community. Does a vampire, does it count as a live action role-playing game? Is it, how does that classify when it's vampires? Is it like an undead action? It should be a UARP, I think. A UARP. Yeah. DARP just sounds silly. All the players are alive, we, mostly. There are a couple players I'm not so sure about. <laughs> the best part is I think Tappy's going to join and play on the Asian vampire side. Come in to save day. It's going to be right. amazing. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. They have stats. So Our he game just do wrapped that. up, uh, so uh, yeah, I'm going to go to the after party. Thank you. Enjoy yourself. Thank you. Yay. Thanks for stopping by. Seriously. Yay. So I was just going to make one quick comment about this since Mary and I have been playing in the, this LARP. that We've been playing hooky from that LARP to be here at the podcast. Uh, Yay. <laughs> Cause, wow. cause we play. See, see, some people would rather be here than the best games at the rest of the con, Tomes. <laughs> right. That's right. So yeah, we, we, we were there for the first two hours and we came over here. Um, but the, uh, uh, we play in the, the monthly meeting, in the monthly LARP, and uh, it's a little different because I, in that one, like Tim does in the, the actual play, I play a Nosferatu. A lisping uh, moron? No, I don't, I don't lisp. <laughs> Okay, so bad example. Tim's a bad example, but I did. But so, you know, I. I Tim is an amazing example, I'm just going to say. Okay, thank you. Thank you. A moron. (laughs) Scully Um, is not a moron. (laughs) So. So, my my point is, I I play the ugly, right? in, In the regular. And. I, you realize this is not radio, this is radio, so you can't see. But when I walked in here tonight, everybody's like, "Damn, Kurt cleaned up because I'm wearing a three-piece suit," and because this time I was a Ventru. And I'm sorry. Well, what? Well, I took the jacket off. It's hot because it's, it's hot as balls um, in here. It is a little warm. There's a lot of hot people in here. So thank you. Um, um, but it, it it was amusing because you know I had one person come up to me who, in the the regular art and it's like I I'm, I'm sorry I just before we get into character and everything I like, like this is very different because you usually play ugly and uh, what <laughs> yeah I went from Nosferatu to Ventru exactly so I, yeah yeah exactly so it, it was it was fun to do something different. Awesome. Excellent. Okay. You're, you're it. You're the closer. Dave. No, Woo! you're the closer. Bring it home, Dave. The Dave. man, Dave. the myth, the 77 legend. So, Tim, let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have that much time. So, it's down to this, is it? So, so Tim, let's talk about your dice fetish for a little bit, all right? So, how many dice do you have? Right now on you, right now at the second. He has to think about it. The, 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 that's good radio. On my person, no, they're in my bag over there. It's but, uh, probably 48. Jeez. He's got about 12 keistered, though. And how many colors? <laughs> how many what? How many colors? Right now there's four different color sets because they're in colored sets that wow. match and follow a consistent... Theme. You have a four hundred one k. Definitely dice. <laughs> no, I have four hundred and one k dice. My God! 
That's that's a quantity. Four hundred one k. I'm sorry. I I shouldn't pick on Tim. Yes, you should. Evidently, evidently, I'm the pick on dude. Nay, nay. Just, just, just a second. I don't know if you guys can all hear this, but I was just called the Rain Man of role playing. Definitely, definitely four hundred. Def, 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 definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta have some saving throws. Gotta have some saving throws. Tunnels and Trolls is on twelve. <laughs> Second system. Second system ever written. Second year before year before RuneQuest. Year after the first D and D. Second system. Second system ever written. So, no, no, no. I just want to say, I played in this game for four hours, three and a half hours mm-hmm. today. And we ended up with maybe it was Spirit of Seventy Seven, a special episode uh, that uh, resulted in four dice rolls, probably maybe three and a half hours, four dice rolls, and it was amazing. It was so much fun. But let let me go back to the definition of amazing before it was tainted. It was. It was amazing in the way that I didn't know where to look next. <laughs> it was all in the Greek fashion and the non-Greek fashion. <laughs> I was titillated <laughs> for three and a half hours. You know, God, Dave, I'm painful. glad I titillated you. <laughs> yeah. That was just because you were sitting between Chris and I. Say. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Every time... Uh, the last three times I've been at this con, <laughs> I have wound up in the same room as every one of his games. <clears throat> every single time. And, and how did that work out for you? <laughs> let me, I gotta tell you, truthfully, honestly, your games are loud as fuck, man. <laughs> God damn. Uh, no, but they're totally amazing. Um, and that was the thing that first attracted us to Dave as a GM, is his games are loud, <laughs> like many Happy Jack's products. No. <laughs> He is. He, you can't be a good GM. You should be loud about it, and that's all that matters. He is up and running around the table. He is putting on a different persona every thirty seconds that you look at the guy. Um, he is energetic. He's enthusiastic. He's pulling players out of their chairs and standing up next to the table and role playing face to face with them. So he's civil. If you're standing. <laughs> <laughs> Just hold on. Time out a second. Give us the little briefing about this game. Uh, which game? I've, I've actually run uh, three games so far. I ran one last night, which was a retread of the uh, Wrath of Khans. Uh, this morning, I ran the sequel to Wrath of Khans, which whoa! was whoa, Wrath of Khans 2. It's a small world, after all. Mm. <laughs> and at, at earlier, yes. So far. Oh, oh, no, nah. actually, I'm not even done. Yeah, he's got to pull that And then I ran at 2 o'clock uh, Masterpiece 77. And tomorrow I run another game, and I may run another one on Monday, depending on how things go. Oh, That's right. You're a hardworking man. Because you can do that when you don't roll dice, Tim. <laughs> you can do that when you do roll dice, too. <laughs> Except you're not. Uh, actually, before I actually do that, I, I, I realize that there's a lot of joking going around. I really want to uh, 
give a shout out to uh, Stu, by the way, and all the Happy Jacks guys because I am very thankful for all of you guys to uh, show your support and actually the fact you're going, hey, let's go see what this period of 77 crap's all about. And I I really do want to thank you guys. I really do. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, 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 nobody gives a shout out for, you know, for Stu and y'all. I mean, so that, you know, screw that bullshit. I mean, you guys are pretty awesome, you know? It's crap not to, all right? Because as we <laughs> talked about, as, I'm sorry, as Bill talked about. Fuck those guys. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> There's something to be said about the people who do role play. Okay, so, yes, today I ran two games. I ran, um... Uh, the Spirit of, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, uh, Wrath of Khans 2, which was the sequel to the original Wrath of Khans I ran at the last convention, and the one at Master, uh, 2 o'clock, which was the Masterpiece 77, which was the Shakespearean uh, Spirit of 77 character, where basically all the characters that survived from the plays from Shakespeare got together in one room and had a lot of shenanigans. Now, before I go in any further on that, so for those of you who follow the podcast, Dave drinks, all right? (laughs) What? I know it's hard to believe, but Dave drinks a lot. So... If you're thinking what? of a Shakespeare character, actually, you are you're my second choice. Bill was always my first oh, choice. There you go. Yeah. I'm just saying. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. Stork and I were talking about the, our gay alternates. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying Bill is on that, but I'm just saying I thought of you, Bill. I'm just pointing that out. I will always game with you in the Greek fashion. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. So Dave got a chance to play... Sir John Falstaff awesome. during the game. <laughs> and beautiful job. And I, I, I honestly think this was one of my favorite games I've ever run because I didn't know if it would work. And from Midsummer's Night's Dream, we had Nick Bottom played by Kimmy. Now, my, I, and I gotta say, my favorite player really was, and I'm, I'm not trying to show favorites, of course, because I love you all, all my children equally. <laughs> so, Chris, Chris, what are you? A buck 20 wet? Is that what you are? That woman scared the piss out of me as Lady Macbeth at any goddamn moment. At any goddamn moment. At, I, I honestly didn't know. At any moment, she goes, and I'm stabbing that person. And you go and fucking hey, man. The, be- the best person's like, what do you weigh, a buck a buck 20 wet? Chris is like, hey, bless. Yeah, yes, like, I am. Ah. Yes, I am. With, her, with and, 0.02% and literally, body fat. You were the scariest person I've ever role-played with. <laughs> And I, I've done, I've done some fucked up shit. And you're sitting there going, "Oh, I, I will stab them." And you know, she's got that whole Glenn Close fatal attraction thing going. You're going, "My God, Scotland is a fucked up place." If you're like going there, my God. So yes, that was that. That was today's game. Hey, Kimmy, he says, passing the mic, and I do that a lot. Kimmy, how did you enjoy playing Nick? Bottom. <laughs> in the Greek fashion. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it wasn't in the Greek fashion. Um, <laughs> I had a really good time. I had never played a Spirit of 77 game before, so I was very curious. I was very lucky to get in the game today. Um, 
And I was very nervous because I showed up to the game. I'm like, I, I don't know anything about the 70s. I don't know if I'm going to enjoy this. I've heard it's a great game. <laughs> it's, it's before my time. So, <laughs> and so, and then he's like, this is Masterpiece 77. So it's about Shakespeare. And I'm like, woohoo! <laughs> I'm an English teacher. I can do that. <laughs> Ren Fair for the win. <laughs> Um, and then uh, he had this re- really cool thing where he had uh, l- small descriptions of each of the characters out there, so we didn't actually get to see the character sheets, which if you've ever listened to the podcast, I'm a huge fan of that. So we got to pick the description of a character we like, and then from that, everybody picked that, and then we got our character sheets, which it then w- is when I found it was Nick Bottom, which is like one of my favorite characters, Midsummer is one of my favorite Shakespeare plays. What? Yeah, no, dead serious. I was so excited when I got that character. <laughs> I was, yes. I was Time like, out. Time out. Yeah. Some people got to pick. Yes. Oh. <laughs> oh. Some people got assigned the best character ever. Oh. <laughs> well, that happens. Yes, no, it was amazing. Um, and so it makes me really curious about what a regular... I have to learn about the 70s before I come back to... <laughs> <laughs> oh. Oh. Ah, dying of fire. The 70s. So, Dave, how was it playing Sir John Falstaff? Sir John Falstaff is my life. No. They were never written about. <laughs> but he did have the Merry Wives of Windsor. The Merry Bitches of Windsor was a great play. Oh. I don't think he ever actually gets laid in any play. He keeps trying, but he never actually makes closes the deal there. Behold the way I played my character. <laughs> I was thinking about the babies, though. The, well, you can't be babies if you don't. This is a true story. So oh. when I had mentioned I was uh, so running say. this game, I, I, I fly out said I was doing Masterpiece 77. And Chris said, I'm going to sign up or I will cut somebody. <laughs> so she was already in character. She was all ready to kill. She really was. And when I said that, when she said that, I went, oh, she needs to play Lady Macbeth. And so I responded saying, of course, you get to play Miss Jensen. And... <laughs> And she said, oh, my God, I'm playing Lady Macbeth. I am definitely cutting a bitch. And so basically the whole game was about who Chris would cut today. Like who <laughs> would the next 15 – Chris. It wasn't always Bruce. It was not always Bruce. He wasn't I swear. in the game. He wasn't even there. Chris, how did you like playing Lady Macbeth? I love playing Lady Macbeth. And there were hats. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, please give some applause for Chris for bringing a whole basket of hats. <laughs> Dave said, I hope you guys bring hats. Chris, I'm looking at you. I'm like, I'll bring hats. I'll bring lots of hats. Plenty to share. <laughs> at one point, Dave was wearing rabbit ears because John Falstaff is taking care. That's a great thing. I don't know if you know your Shakespeare, but Falstaff is taking care of Lady Macbeth to make sure she doesn't stab anybody. So <laughs> no. he's like wearing the hat, no. the rabbit ears going, I'll Just take care of you. <laughs> Walking around. Someone agreed to erase my debt. To take care of Lady Macbeth, but truly, Lady Macbeth was not unattractive. (laughs) (laughs) So, taking care of her. So, I may have had ulterior motives. (laughs) Oh, rabbit boy. You don't make children in the Greek fashion. (laughs) (laughs) It 
It's still satisfying. <laughs> so of our uh, the three people up here, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it never got that far, despite my best efforts. Of the three of you up uh, up on here, uh, what did you think of the game? I, I'm throwing it to you guys. Um, I had a blast. I was absolutely exhausted at the end, <laughs> but uh, it was just amazing. And it was like, and literally, we were all busy at every moment of mm-hmm. of the game, even though there were only four dice rolls and uh, rolls. And I don't think that we were. I, I mean, it was just mind blowing. It was. Just- it was. Incredible. I mean, I've played in one other Spirit of 77 game, um, and and that... At that particular game, Dave was the one who was up and moving like he does. But in this game, many of us were up and moving. And thank God there wasn't a fourth table in that room because we have room to spread out. But it was a very physical game and so much more enjoyable because of it. Just quickly, around the table, we had Lady Macbeth and Nick Bottom and Falstaff and the Brother Lawrence, the the friar from Romeo and Juliet that poisoned people. Um, and uh, Dogberry from Much Do About Nothing that was not so successful but was quite effective. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and, and the bear. The, well, Perdita. Hold on. That's the last one. That's okay. the big reveal. Wait. Oh, okay. We kind of for the drama. <gasps> I'm sorry, Kadeem. Uh, don't hit me again. Uh. Yeah. Again? <laughs> uh, and Miranda from The Tempest. That's right. Uh, in. In disguise, uh, um, and uh, and then we had Perdita and the Bear <laughs> from Winter's Tale. Which, those by the way, is a great '70s buddy cop show. Perdita <laughs> and the Bear. It did come Amazing. up as a matter of fact when they're driving that truck across. Oh my God! Perdita so and good. the Bear. The Bear. So, for those of you who actually like act, have like a technical degree or didn't pursue liberal arts like the rest of us. So one of the best lines in Shakespeare, and, and I swear to God it's in there, is from The Winter's Tale. And The Winter's Tale has a line where everybody has been uh, – all uh, Shakespeare scholars have wondered about it because it says after a particular situation happens, uh, exit pursued by a bear. And that has fascinated me for years going, really? Did they have like a puppet or anything or did he have a real bear – Occur, so I figured if I'm ever going to run a Shakespeare game, you've got to have the bear come back. And so, what happens? One player, she came in and she said, "Well, I've got my friend with me, you know, and she's never been to a game con before, and she's never played Spirit of '77, and so I don't know what we're going to do." And I said, "Oh no, I know what you're going to do." And I handed this to her, so she got to play the bear, and her friend got to play Perdita, the girl that was basically her assistant for the entire thing. Anybody who knows Shakespeare is sitting here going, oh my god, this is the funniest thing. And th- for those of you who actually like pursued something better than a liberal arts degree are going, what the fuck are they talking about? Is this funny? How old were those two girls that came in? Uh, they were both around like 20, 21, Painfully and they actually young. thought it was funny. <laughs> they were sitting there y- yesterday evening l- looking at the sheets trying to figure out what to sign up for, and one of them said, there's a Masterpiece 77, and I, and I said, is that run by a guy named David? And they said, yeah, and I said, that's the best GM you'll ever play with. Get in that game. True story. <laughs> yeah. 
That was the that was the inverse Greek fashion. <laughs> hey David, David, a I, I, David, David. He wanted a mouth. I think you're the best GM too. No, not for you. Damn. Um, I have to say one of the the coolest things, um, even though I've no, I, I I mean the plot was literally like made up as we went along, and it was meant to be that way. Um, like everything was was very player generated. Um, but those quiet girl, like, and you were awesome, David, about like making sure everybody got their moments despite there being super loud people at the table and not so loud people at the table. <laughs> um, but. The, those two girls won. Like, yeah, at near the end, um, earlier, um, one of yeah. the characters was like, well, do you have a permit for that bear? And they're like, you know, role-playing, and they're a little nervous, and they're doing great, though. Um, so, like, later in the thing, like, the same character's like, well, I need to borrow the bear. And this girl, like, fl- deadpan just looks at her like, do you have a permit for the bear? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and just, we all stop and just, like, slow clap, and she just wins. It was amazing. Like, it was, like, one of those perfect moments that comes back around, and you're just like, and we're done. That, that, <laughs> we cannot get better than that. Yes. So so would you guys say that you had a good experience playing this? Oh. Uh, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. In suit. <laughs> No. That was for Stork, because I knew he wasn't near Mike. I really have to keep saying, Chris, you're fucking scary. <laughs> the, I don't know if you all know this, but she's a mom, and I realized that she was basically going, I will kill you. I am getting to pull it. Yes, they are. And she literally, there was a moment... I'm not joking, and I'm not trying to get too uh, complicated in this. So uh, Horatio from... Hamlet, perhaps you've heard of it, is there in a room with Falstaff and Lady Macbeth, and Lady Macbeth has got a knife going for him, and I'm sitting there thinking to myself, as a person, not as a GM, not as a player, going, oh my god, Chris could kill, Chris could, I could die, (laughs) and then I realize, oh my god, this game should move on. I don't think I want to be in this scenario. So I, I, I want to like make sure everybody applauds Chris right there. Because I don't want her to hurt me. <laughs> she will. She will. She said, I, Dave, I, I'm going to be in this game or I will cut a bitch. I, I That's what she said. And I realized she should be Lady Macbeth. <laughs> she really is. Uh, uh, before uh, before I hand over the the microphone over to to Stu because I really don't want to. So um, for those of you who know Spirit of Seventy Seven, Spirit talks 70, a lot for somebody who doesn't want to be in a mic. Oh, it's shut, amazing! Isn't shut it? your mouth! Wait, shut oh. your mouth, Rober! Shut up! Before I hand over, shut your shut your dirty whore mouth. It's a clean whore mouth. Thank you very much. <laughs> Say. <laughs> So, um, for those of you who know the Spirit of 77, so uh, I am the co-writer. Uh, Bob Richardson is uh, the, the other writer. And so Bob actually recently moved up to uh, Seattle. So I'm asking all of you on the microphone for me to say to Bob, so that way I can tell him exactly what the moment, say, hi, Bob, at the, at the count of three, all right? So... Wait, wait, wait. 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 What? Da- get a, Fuck get a, you, Kadaev. Hold Go. on. Hold. Get a timer count. What's the timer on the recording? Uh, it will be approximately two hours, 28 minutes. I this is good radio. Good, close enough. <laughs> good 28. 
Two all right, so eight. all I ask you guys to say is hi, Bob, at, at the count of three. All right, so one. Fucking A! Is it, is it one, two, three, ba? Or is it. Is this one, how you two, make people bang. do burpees for God's sakes, Kimmy? It's a musician All right, on the count of three. One, two, three. Hi, Bob! Thank you very much, everybody. Oh, and by the way, spiritof77game.com. Thank you very much. Excellent. Everybody should play Spirit of 77. Woo! Any chance you get is awesome. And did you, hear, did you hear what he said? He said, let me say one more thing before I hand the mic to Stu because I don't want to. Right. <laughs> you heard that, right? Yeah, I heard that. <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's it. We're, we're at uh, two and a half hours. Yeah. That's you call yeah. it. That's pretty good. I almost regret bringing, talk, coming back after playing that 77 game and talking about how awesome it was and that we should get him on. <laughs> almost. Almost. <laughs> almost. Wait, 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 wait. Bill is the guy oh, that started it all. Oh, wait. Caught it. <laughs> Stu caught it. Oh. Got that F U O. Hold on. Oh. oh. <laughs> but I but I will Hold say on. if you ever have an opportunity to come to a convention where where <laughs> Dave is running, I'm sure only Spirit of 77 games because you know rent. He's got to pay. He's a shill. <laughs> um, but any game, top two GMs ever, and I only say that because I don't want to make your head big and say you're the best. But it, really good, like really good. No. I, I will say it intimidates me how amazingly that Dave is able to be so many NPCs mm-hmm. in a way that just glancing at him as a GM, you know who Which you're talking yep. to. Yeah. And I, it, I, I'm intimidated. Oh, no, no, really, <laughs> really. Like at a moment's notice, I, I can wait, I can glance at him Just and know he. I don't have beer on. He's me. hugging him in the Greek fashion. Me. What's going on? Hugging from behind. That was that was hot. <laughs> and he came from behind in the Greek fashion. It's a little warm in here. So I'm satisfied. All right, let's should we call it? We call yes. it now. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, go. What is one quick thing? Is there something we need to drink from a beholder? No. You can try risking is it if you want. Moonshine of apple pie? That's good shit. Watch the door. <laughs> Hold it shut. Oh, Hold it bad. shut. That's that's no. no, it's moonshine. It's in a jar. We just drink it out of the jar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, in wow. the tradition of the podcast at these events... Bill has brought a high <laughs> content <laughs> beverage well done, for us to drink, and <laughs> it's happening. Oh, Lord. It's still going. It's fine. But those of you that like to hear us react, it's about to happen. Do you, want, you got something I can put this in? Um, Do we have your yeah. So it's yes. simultaneous. My mouth... Grecian, wow. I only have wine. You can Grecian it up. Oh, thank you. Oh, good. Oh, oh. Is it really? I, I'm going to die. Sweet. It's very sweet. I'm going to hate it. I'm going to hate it, aren't I? I'm already drinking it. What are we drinking to? All right, so so this is this is Midnight Moon distilled from corn moonshine. Uh, bottled at 35%. God knows what it ends up at. 
Corn uh, wine. And, but it's apple pie flavored moonshine. Yeah. It smells good. Corn so, uh, uh, we are drinking to, to Epic Games epic, and Murder Hobos. Yes, Epic Games and Murder Hobos. Epic Games and Murder Hobos. Huzzah. It's not Malort. I'll say that. Oh, it's not the worst. That's not the worst we've had. This this tastes better than that blue milk we had. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. Actually, you know what? Hey, listen. I've been sober this whole time. I need a drink now. Hey, you know what? That was not really bad. No, it's not bad at all. You know, that's... It's actually, for, for moonshine out of a mason jar, that's not bad. No, no that's not bad at all. A little burning, but doesn't taste bad. I, I, I prefer... I prefer this kind of drink than Malort. Oh, I prefer yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. licking the bathroom floor to Malort. I mean, that <laughs> shit was... Look, I consider Malort the end of that war. Excellent! <laughs> yes. I agree. So, I agree. things happened, the war escalated, and then I came in as Harry Truman. And <laughs> <laughs> dropped the bomb. And... And it's done. It's done. The bomb dropped. done. Right. Now we can just have fun. Excellent. And, and, and now we can change the ride and have every, and bring something really good. Yeah. 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 Right. Hey, from now on, live podcast listeners, bring something that you think is the most amazing beverage you've ever had of the alcoholic Excellent. variety. <laughs> All right. Let's, I call, like you. let's call it. Yeah. Thank you for joining us for season 16, episode 10 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, live from Orcon 2016. My name is Stu. My name is Kimmy. This is Bill. This is Jip. This is Chris. I was Bruce. I'm Kadee. Yeah! Yeah! I, I, I'm Tim down here at the end that no one cares about. They just, I'm just, hi, I'm Tim. And this is the remnant of the live studio audience. Thank you very much, and good night. We'll leave you with a song. Flying towards a setting sun in a Honda Accord of gold. The AC straining against the funk because our socks and drawers are old. On the 105 for an afternoon drive, whizzing by the freeway flora. In the passenger seat is my best friend Pete, a fat man in a fedora. Breaker 1-9, this is Drachnar the Dark. I was momentarily detained in the hotel entrance, fat beard. The valet was trying to charge me an exorbitant fee. It appears we have ourselves a game con. Yeah, we got ourselves a game con, playing for four days straight. We got ourselves a game con, our hygiene it can wait. We got ourselves a game con, our games after fun. And we'll be playing all the night. Till the morning sun. We had to pass by Suspender Row where the Civil War Minutemen play. The room smelled like it was Monday night, even though this was just the first day. The argument phase was in full swing, old fat beard swearing in a spit. Some sued for peace, but the fighting ceased when the Confederate threatened he was quitting. Breaker 1-9, Fatbeard, this is Dragnar again. I'm going to be late to the Pathfinder game. My opponent accused me of moving the 111th Fusiliers unit during the secondary reaction movement phase. I told him I was adjusting them because he nudged them. We should be using hexes. Yeah, we got ourselves a game con, playing for four days straight. We got ourselves a game con, our hygiene it can wait. We 
got ourselves a game con. Our game's after fun, and we'll be playing all the night till the morning sun. It was late at night on con day three that the hotel staff started straining. They were offering us complimentary Febreze because the other guests there were complaining. The band is all from the bar and cafe at the fast food there wouldn't serve us. The concierge split and the maids all quit. Couldn't blame them. They didn't deserve us. Break your wet night, fat beard. Save me a place at the OSR game. There's a 14-year-old girl here daring to disagree with my assessment of the new 52. We're comparing geek quiz scores on Facebook. I, uh, may be a while. Yeah, we, we got, got ourselves a game con, playing for four days straight. We got ourselves a game con, our hygiene, it can wait. We got ourselves a game con, our games have the fun. And we'll be playing all the night, till the morning sun. Of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, bum, bum.